Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Achepe Space. Building it again, Luna. Let's take a listen. Let's see who's awake. <laughs> Need to see if uh, Bruce and the gang are awake today or what. I was off playing video games for a few days. Important work. I was experimenting a bit with the uh, procedurally generated game called No Man's Sky, or if you guys have played it or not. Pretty interesting premise. Um, a whole universe is generated as you play it, which is kind of cool. <laughs> so um, there's like a universe, and when you arrive at a certain planet or a star system, that star system uh, is superficially created to start with. Like, So for example, if it's a red star, it'll have certain types of planets around it, certain types of weather depending on the distance from the star, it'll have like different temperatures or whatever. <laughs> and then everything's procedurally generated algorithmically. So, um, you know, different colors, different plants, all the way down to the, you know, different limbs of the different creatures. Um, the, the rocks on the planet, the different ores and resources and everything. It's pretty cool. Um, I think this is going to be the future of video games. Uh, long run is these large worlds like um take like fallout or like a call of duty or something like that um sorry about the beeping um but like the way these things are built now these procedurally generated games are pretty sweet um and when you add ai to that that changes the mix entirely because um the npcs and all the different characters in the game can also interact um like much more robustly than they do now. So procedural um, based games are just kind of like part of it, which is purely algorithmic, but you add AI into that, especially with all the AI artwork we've seen over the last year um, and the number of like components that you could build with AI, like helmets or gloves or clothing or, you know, building parts or whatever. Um, excuse me one sec kind of locked out of my house here give me a sec <laughs> eight years got one of these electronic door lock things and the fucking thing doesn't work right now so i gotta use another door it's pathetic good evening hey what are you doing here? uh hey winding down after another productive day of messing around with pivot tables and finding people um what's uh, you're stuck outside you're locked out of your house yeah, I'm in now. I had to go through another door. Like, I've got one of these battery-powered um, sort of automated lock things, but it stopped working. Mm. So it's sort of like <laughs> the battery died or it just sort of like is doing its own thing or broke. Anyway, no, I was just talking about, like, I don't know if you had played 
um, with No Man's Sky, the video game before. Oh. Um, procedurally generated, procedurally generated, procedurally generated world where the entire like universe is created spontaneously when you visit it. Yes. Does that makes sense. Like a planet doesn't exist until you arrive. But once you've arrived and modified it, it becomes saved going forward. And technically other people could visit it. And so it's the largest game universe in the world right now. Uh, with like some, some billions of planets or something discovered or whatever. Pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the most robust of like MM. It's not the most robust MMO that you've ever played though. It's pretty, pretty basic. Uh, but I can foresee this being the way worlds are generated in the future, though. I think long run with Unreal Engine 5, it's pretty obvious that um, like you combine this procedural work with the stuff that Unreal 5 can do and some of the toolkits in the background. It makes perfect sense to have um, procedurally generated landscapes and whatnot. Um, and then mods and things, but then you add AI to the mix and you could procedurally generate buildings. You can procedurally generate like everything from like flags and insignias to any part of the game. You can imagine um, the various tools that the, the users are using guns or whatever it is. But I think no man's sky is a really good um, model for this. And that the, the big difference I think will be that, ultimately npcs in the games will have like there'll be procedurally generated quests and procedurally generated um activities and things group events whatever and you know you the ai is going to be able to talk to you and uh be much more of a personality than what what is out there now it's pretty cool anyway um but that's almost certainly the future um what hasn't been figured out um so far um is how to so how to monetize these things. So like if you look at the game industry so far, um, the stream, the uh, steams of the world and like originally um, some of the games that were out there, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, some of them like have hard, had a hard time. Once you get big enough, it's the problem is it's not, um, if it's not procedurally generated, it becomes obsolete graphically, which is interesting. So like I loaded up No Man's Sky as an example on a PS5 and a PS4 both. And on the PS5, it runs smooth. And on PS4, it's obs- already obsolete. Like it, it just like crashes, the thing overheats. Like it just doesn't work. Um, so I think there's uh, the procedure generated worlds, you know, as the computing power increases, the world just renders better. But you don't necessarily obsolete the entire game. Uh, and you don't have to. Like, uh, I don't know, because right now a game is designed for, let's say, PS4 or PS5 or whatever. You can do less of that with procedurally generated worlds where ultimately um, the graphics quality no longer matters. Uh, that could get really pretty cool. And then, um, and then the other thing that people haven't figured out yet is how to get crypto into this. So I think we talked about this before, years. Like, there's no game that I have seen um that at some level doesn't get fundamentally ruined by um bringing real world monetary assets into the game which is why like nfts that you pay for don't make sense exactly um problem with crypto gaming sethi is that the incentives are all fucked um so if you launch if you're going to build a triple a title okay guys it's going to take three years 
um, you've made all your money immediately, like with your liquid token. So like, where's the incentive to go through the grueling process of building a AAA game? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for them. Um, and then equally, you mean as a, you mean as a security, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and then like they, they've made their cash immediately. They don't actually have to ship the game. And then right. like, the second thing is there's no established publishers or, or like, so like most people go to Polygon or Solana and they say, Hey, I want to launch a game. Give oh. me some tokens. And they say, yeah, sure, man. It's like going to McDonald's and saying, I'm, I'm a game studio. I want to launch a game. And McDonald's fund me. <laughs> like, well, all right. I suppose we could like, they're not really bespoke. They're not really uh, suited to the, the industry of publishing games. Like they don't necessarily have the best uh, connects. Although, I mean, they'd be able to connect Solana Labs and these Polygon guys could definitely connect you to people. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like their general purpose chains. Like what, but, what but, so there's two, there's two parts to it. One is the, uh, the utility of NS, NFTs, um, the utility of NFTs in the gaming infrastructure. And two is the, the utility of crypto itself. I think um, both have certain... Um, certain useful characteristics um the immutability obviously is the combined characteristic between the two theoretically um the crypto piece to me it's like if i'm going to use some sort of currency in a game uh it needs to be basically a um like first and foremost the the currency in the game needs to be a not a securitized token that funds the game um, if you do that, the token basically doesn't accrue value. It becomes just a long-term dump over 10 years, even with vesting periods and everything else, right? Like it becomes a constant source of worry for people and smart money is not going to put tons of cash in. Like an example of this would be like the Cadena blockchain where they have like a unlock period of like 10 years. And you might think, oh, it's not bad. 10 years, you know, slow vesting. Or look at Luna right now. So Luna unlocks over, over like what, 2024 or something like that. So the problem is like, so long as there's an unlock period, there is this sort of overhang of not only selling pressure, but just the impression that people could sell. And that by itself creates sort of a, um, like, um, it, it's a hard pitch for people to say, yeah, I'm going to buy this now while there's unlocks taking place. So, so for gaming, like the, to me, it's like a pristine tokenomic um, coin with, that focuses on all the usual things, decentralization, et cetera. That matters more than necessarily like, what does this thing do in the game specifically, right? Like even if I could use uh, tokens to pay for game services, like on Steam, for example, um, the key is to have a currency that works and be in and of itself a good investment independent of what the game does otherwise you've got a problem where let's say the game gets boring or the game doesn't deliver or whatever it is it you know then the currency also crashes at some point but it just ends up having a security function so i think gaming um it makes sense not to have a video game develop its own token and use a token that's already out there so like, for example, Luna would be a perfect example of a coin that makes sense to use for this purpose, you know, in theory, right? Yours. Mm -hmm. And then the NFT piece of it, you could, you could basically have um, either IBC-capable uh, NFTs or whatever for any other um, components of a game that might require a database entry like that. 
but I think NFTs are morely, mostly just an immutable database entry. Uh, they're not necessarily anything more magical than that. People act like, uh, you know how people say, oh, the, there's these PFP NFTs, but the real use case for NFTs is coming. What, you mean a database entry? <laughs> like, it's like the stupidest nonsense discussion about how powerful NFTs are going to be as if nobody's ever had a database on a computer for the last 20 years. It's just, it's just obnoxious nonsense, mostly just hype. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, like that part of it, um, uh, in gaming, um, there will be some utilities for sure, but, um, it's not necessarily in my mind, the, um, you know, porting your PFP into the metaverse or some other oh, yeah. like that. I, hate, no I absolutely despise like, oh, we've got a metaverse. It's unreal engine with your, your ape in 3d. Like, great. Thanks very much. Like, like this is useless. Um, I, I think the main problem with most of this play to earn like play to earn is implicitly saying you're going to earn these tokens or like you're going to play you're going to get tokens you can sell them to your local currency so now it's just a game of who can who can sell quickest and there's no point in buying the tokens and holding them because you're guaranteed the majority of your users your majority of your player base are just going to sell them immediately so you have to give them a good enough reason to not do that. yeah um I think using the token or crypto as some sort of incentive scheme to play a video game is just idiotic. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like the I, amount I of time it takes yeah. to play a video game, if you're going to somehow, if the game is great enough, like if you look at No Man's Sky as an example, which is what I'm sort of investigating right now, um, it took them eight years to get uh, one, a world interesting enough to play on because they, they started with a procedural world, released the thing, got it into the wild. It was very, very unpopular initially. It's almost like coming to a blockchain today and having no, nothing to do, right? Like there's nothing to do in the game. And they added all the components over the last like eight years to where it's like now playable. It's an interesting game. It's an interesting procedural world. And I'm looking at this going, okay, well, where would the crypto um, come into this? Uh, how could I make use of that? And they have, you know, but at the same time, it's like the monetary policy of the game in most games tends to be, okay, I kill a monster, I get some gold. I, um, you know, refine some iron or whatever, and I get some gold, something like that. Um, there hasn't been a, a game created so far that really, really cohesively um, uh, puts crypto together with the game and makes the game more fun. I think if the, if the game is more fun as a result of the economy, and somehow or another that supports a like some crypto activity. Okay, fine. But are people going to show up to a game just because there's crypto involved? Yeah, maybe like there's going to be some speculators or whatever. But I think um, using a coin unrelated to the game um, at some level makes sense. And usually that becomes some sort of player to player currency system. Not uh, So this would not be a game world where the game pays you. There would need to be a game so good that it's worth having the native, um, that it's, it's worth sort of using sort of crypto in, in there somehow to buy and sell things. The, the problem I haven't seen solved, though, is how to not wreck a game with crypto elements. Because you know, as soon as you bring in real world money, I'll give you an example. So over the weekend, so I played a few hours on uh, this game. And you know, you go, you run around, you kill some things, you get some gold, you get some iron, whatever it is, resources and things. And you, and you, you, you do some proof of work, uh, you refine that into something, and eventually that turns into like uh, credits, they call them, or units or something like that on the game. So that's the monetary system. 
but um, you know, if you br- if you make it possible for me to bring a hundred dollars of real world money, uh, buy a crypto or whatever with that, bring that into the game for some reason. Um, the problem with doing that is now, like, so for example, let's say you have a ten dollar an hour job, you work at McDonald's or something, and you now look at this uh, time you spend and go, wait a minute. Um, number one, I'm paying, you know, my day's wages to play this game. So you start mentally equating it with the amount of work you put in to bring that money in. And the second thing is when you're playing, you start asking yourself in hourly terms, you say, wait a minute, like, okay, I could go and mine gold. And then someone's going to pay me a hundred dollars for this gold, but it would be more productive if I just spent three hours at McDonald's versus spending six hours or 10 hours playing this video game. This is the problem with like connecting money, real world money to games. And well, yeah. uh, I, I just haven't seen the problem solved. This is, this is exactly the problem with like most of the guilds, um, most of the guilds that were operating would get a bunch of guys in the Philippines where they're like, it's like an economic sort of arbitrage of, of, the time spent in the game for those guys, they can earn more than well, much more. Well, they could, they could earn much more than. Yeah, um, they had some terminology for that. It was like researchers or something. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's like they had a whole out, series of guild terms for the whole thing. They'd loan out know. like NFTs, and then they take a cut from from the player, like sort of earning in-game currency, whatever it was. Um, and then like the the player who's living somewhere like. Um, whether the minimum wage or like the average wage is extremely low is now actually earning a decent amount of cash and, and like more than they would if they were working. But of course that's unsustainable and short lived and like, it's not a, like a good model. Um, it seems like, yeah, it's, it's, if you want to solve the problem overall um, for like how to integrate crypto into games, you have to give people a good enough reason not to just sell it immediately back to the local currency. And like, that's like where yeah, you have to perpetuate. Yeah. Also, kind of cons- a- conceptually, it's almost like the minute you are getting paid in game, uh, like we usually just call that work. <laughs> that's, that's what that would be normally, right? You could be, say, for example, a psychiatrist and practice like telemedicine. And you make money for spending hours on the computer, essentially talking to someone and you get paid because it's called work, right? Like, so as soon as you're making money for something, um, I think in the gaming world, I think like even if you look at professional sports as a good example, uh, professional football, basketball, whatever it is, um, those folks are also basically getting paid to be professionals. But that's a very different thing when you get into professional and tournament type play. You're getting paid to be the entertainer. People are watching you as entertainment. They're paying you tickets. They're watching. They're paying for TV advertisements and all of that thing. Um, but uh, that's the only model where, in the real world, people have been able to make money on games. So if I go to my local soccer field and I start kicking a ball around, I'm not getting tokens, right? Like this is not a thing. Um, so there's no model for that happening in, um, like there's no model for happening in the computer space, um, except to say, let's say that the shit that you're doing, like in the game itself, the work that you're doing, let's say refining gold or decoding things or whatever, if there was a real world purpose to that work, like, mm, 
maybe the more I do, the more like cancer gets cured or something. You know what I mean? Like there's an actual outcome, um, some sort of group work. Maybe, for example, let's say, um, I don't know, you know how you, you've seen not CAPTCHA, but you know how there's, they have, yeah, CAPTCHA. You know how you have those like numbers that are scanned and um, it's sort of like partially illegible documents and they put those things in there and then, you know, you um, are essentially decoding like, you know, you know, messed up papers or something like that. Something along those lines. If you, if the work that you were doing in the game somehow translated to, um, you know, decoding DNA or like looking for genes or something protein weird, folding. like something complicated. You remember protein folding? Yeah, That's the, the protein folding argument. Although AI is now doing that with AlphaFold, so too late for that. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, if somehow the human work involved was creating a network effect, uh, very similar to how crypto, Bitcoin, et cetera, are net network effect, then um, I could see the power of the network as being important. Like imagine the size of Facebook, for example, or the size of um, like Apple or somebody like that with lots and lots of devices running at the same time. And, uh, you know, they're able to capitalize on that using things like everything from FaceTime to, um, to email or whatever that they have incorporated into their system. So that network effect, you know, kind of gets you the Metcalf law piece of the puzzle and it gets you a purpose for having the network outside the gaming. So if somehow the game could encourage a network effect people have been trying to mess with this sort of shit for some time now i don't know if you've seen like a couple of these things b network and pi network they're these little bullshit apps um on the app store have you played with those before i you know have not about? um but it rings a bell so so yeah you you see, you see a lot of like uh tweets about these sort of things during a bull market uh b and b e e and pi i'm not recommending anyone go play with them they're pretty stupid but the idea is um well, the idea is not entirely stupid. B network is this thing where you have like, okay, so imagine this: you have an app, you push a button every day, and if you push a push a button every day, and you get more friends to join this thing, then you get more coins that are minted out of thin air, mind you. That's like a it's an algorithmic um, production of coins, yeah. and there's a half there's a halving of the like once the network gets to a certain size, let's say a million people. The number of people, um, oh, the number of the, the count coins coming out happens, right? And then when you get to 10 million people, it happens again. 100 million people, it happens again. So the idea is, is the reason why you know these are real people is because it's a pain in the ass to open this app and push this button every day. It's really stupid. It's like, I don't know if you saw the show Lost, but you know, the guy, you know, he's under the ground and he's pushing that button every eight hours or something. Right. <laughs> Like this, so, the, the island doesn't blow up or whatever. Yeah, this is a like, literal algorithm it's like scheme, Seffi. This is a <laughs> this is, yeah. This. It's but the thing is, there's no actual value to the coin. So there's no it's it wasn't listed anywhere when this thing started. So the, it's basically a proof of social network, right? So that you can prove that you have users, and if you have real users, when you do have an actual monetization of the coin, now your network size for the number of users might be 10 million plus people. That's the issue is user acquisition costs. Uh, this was sort of a cheap way to do that. Maybe that will become important one day. Maybe the B network or whatever the hell it is, as stupid as it sounds, ends up being actually useful. Because the more you think about it, more, the more difficult it has been to like, get users to network, whether it's Terra, whether it's anywhere. Like with UST, it was obvious. But now without like, that catalyst, now it's like, what do, you, what, what do you build 
to bring those users in and gamify that experience of adding users. People have tried different things, like look at eGold's wallet, um, the Maier wallet, M-A-I-E-R. Uh, they have like fun little like graphics and things, and you get different levels for how much staked you know you have or how many times you've interacted with the platform. But they kind of dropped the ball, and that they haven't improved that at all over the last year, year and a half. So like it, it seemed like a good idea. It's a very slick wallet, but they never did all of the elements of it. It's because the development becomes a big process in and of itself. But anyway, the gamification of user acquisition, um, to me, like that's where the video game piece could work. It's where, you know, if you were to incentivize the gamer, you're incentivizing them as a acquisition cost to bring them in. Um, is that sustainable? And does anyone have that much money and to make that work? Probably not. Um, I think ChatGPT is a good example of this right now, where they're giving away this, the ChatGPT capability for free. And notice, like they have people like you know Microsoft who are trying to vie for the ownership of the like. I think someone posted that they might try to get forty nine percent ownership or making an offer. Uh, and so, even though they gave away, let's say I don't know millions of dollars a day worth of you know computational power the end result would be a market valuation of like $10 billion plus because, you know, like they, they, they got the users and the users love it. So giving away for free, similar to how Gmail gave away theirs for free, is just one way to acquire, um, one way to acquire users, I suppose. So like, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it, like in the DeFi space, what largely happened was these incentivized liquidity pools, which when the incentives ran out, the things kind of got fucked, right? I'm not sure how that's going to play out over mm -hmm. the next few years in DeFi. What do you think? Like, this, but it, it it's the purest form of giving away money, right? Like, well, not yeah. purest, as opposed to just handing it to you. Airdrops would be the purest form of giving away money. But uh, there's always like the, I think in any startup, yeah. there's going to be a period of unsustainability to start. You just have to kind of recognize some of these things, like what? Okay, so what's the next step? Like, for example, um, sushi swap were just like an incentivized AMM, AMM forever with not seeming to have a plan of what to do next. Although I think I know what they will do. But the thing is like, so like, why would people play games? Um, why do people, wh where's the revenue coming from? How is it sustainable? Like you can't just like rely on circular logic and like tokens being pumped out. Uh, one is to make competitive games. So like bringing esports into it. Um, we kind of talked about the, the fact that no one wants to develop a AAA game in crypto because there's no incentive to go through that process. Like, um, it's it's going to be a quite a long time, I think, before we see a competitive esports game using crypto in any sense. But it is definitely like that. That is what would bring people to care. Uh, the second, the kind people of that the people that build the game, the people that build the game would have to have one of a couple of incentives. One is they would have to own substantial amount of token or something in order yeah. to sort of like use it as security, or B, or even if they didn't, yeah. Or B, the, um, they would have to have such a large network effect. So let's say, for example, millions and millions of Luna users. Um, and they would show up and build, they would use the coin because those users become potential customers. I think where video gaming world is now, especially for AAA games and such, there is no crypto DeFi network large enough to satisfy them in, in some sense, right? Like the biggest networks that game, um, I mean, just look how long it took for Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox, 
and some of the computer gaming platforms to build up. And even to this day, Apple's um, games on their on Apple Macs uh, are not heavily supported, right? Like you only get occasional games, even with the network effect of all the Mac user base. So you can imagine the crypto user base is just a, infinitesimally smaller than than that large database of people. And yeah, it's it's an uphill battle for sure. I don't know um, how, how we attract that. You know, remember when Terra was running hot, like maybe a year and a year ago, a game came out, which was a I forget the some South Korean brand or something like come, that. A come gaming to house. Us. Come to us. They they come to us. Yeah, yeah, come to us or whatever. Yeah, come to us. That one. Um, had sort of like a NFT incorporated into it or something and some, I don't know. It was interesting, but you know, before that could really grow to anything serious, um, that company probably got wrecked by all the work they put well, into that. And <laughs> that firm are still building a Cosmos gaming chain. Uh, are they? And yeah, that, that this is one of the few gaming companies or studios that have kind of bet their house on crypto gaming which is extremely rare. Um, most, most of these big publishers or big studios will just be like, well, um, if we're going to do crypto, it's going to be risk-free. Thank you very much. Um, we'll, we'll accept bids in the region of $100 million plus to build a, a game. Thank you. So it's like completely risk-free. Um, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, no, you know, it wasn't a complete waste of time, but at least you know, we've uh, we made a bit of money here and, uh, and we're going to leave. But uh, come to us is like one of the few companies that are actually like all in um, on crypto gaming, uh, and, and and it's probably gonna be this mobile. That the second kind of game that's attractive and and is sort of viable is possibly like um, the mobile gaming industry where you've got um, people on the way to work on the train, sort of just clicking away on Candy Crush, like that sort of simple simple game, which is easier to build. You don't need to spend three years uh, putting the thing together. Uh, it can be suitably skillful but also like tailor it like like a little bit down to luck as well there's quite important balance between luck and skill i guess um and and people are like for whatever reason just addicted to clicking on the pretty colors and the bright lights and um if you have some kind of social element to it now people kind of care about of buying skins and uses of the cosmetic items so yeah i don't know it's um it's very difficult to see how to make it work um um in the near term and I, I understand why people are bearish on it on game fi and crypto gaming but um it's definitely something yeah. that um terra could could be thinking about that's that's for sure the the most obvious way you would be setting up a gaming chain would be either a pure cosmos chain that's becoming easier to do you could do a cosmos hub chain or you could do a luna feather chain ultimately um that remains to be seen of course we need to see that all play out um have any of the Luna Feather chains opened yet? Um, I don't think like on testnet have you looked lately? Uh, I got the feeling it's not ready to go just yet, but I could be wrong on this. I'm not keeping my eye on the ball. I don't know if there's any I don't know if there's any testnet uh, feather chains yet or whatever. But it should be like it's supposed to be this first quarter, I think. I think originally there was thoughts of December, January. I, maybe it's pushed back further. I haven't heard a peep out of TFL specific to when this is all releasing but well there's um, several projects here and they work for tfl so if they come up and they can they can probably tell us hmm. so is lung Dao kind of like um sort of like do kwan's whore or 
Well, he's doing a thumbs up, but I think he's being generous to himself. I mean, is this like just a kind of a, is this for sexual favors? Or well, I think we should let him come up and explain people? himself. Yeah, I should come up. Why, why is he sitting there doing thumbs up and down? He's too busy doing something. He's busy. <laughs> business. He's doing something over there. <laughs> he's, he's probably, uh, he's probably um, berating uh, Jimmy, Jimmy for um, absconding with uh, community funds that were airdropped to him. <laughs> Jimmy Lee, yes. Yes, Jimmy Lee. We all thought he was a good guy. We all thought he was our friend, but he was actually a rug pull scammer and we can't trust anyone. I mean, think about it. Of all the people that you expected to do something, um, something like hire lawyers and, and go into the bunker and, and go head to head with, with the TFL on this thing um, and just generally like just be a thief would you have expected Jimmy to do it? He's the last guy I would have expected to do this because I would stand up as, and vouch for Jimmy's character as, as an outstanding person. So it's really shocking and it means you can't trust anyone, which just puts it down to, you've got to remember in DeFi and crypto that we're working with trustless systems. This is the beauty of it. In theory, if everything's set up right and the incentives are set up right, which they aren't and they aren't, um, then we uh, we don't have to trust anyone. Um, but uh, if we're just shifting funds around manually, then it defeats the whole point. And um, I don't know. It's um, it's uh, it's pretty. Yeah, I, I, that does bring up a good point. Like one important thing about uh, Luna at this point is we really need. I don't know. I think we need to move towards a more immutable chain. Um, most of the cosmos chains are susceptible to the whims of governance and everything right now. Um, I think we need to sort of move away from that either by having the amount number of votes be fairly high to, um, you know, maybe to approve certain types of, um, outcomes, but, uh, I think the base chain should be something that you can trust that is not going to change in value as a result of a governance fuck up or some sort of implementation problem. And I think that's, that's another general problem. Like, uh, so there was two things on Terra V1 um, outside of the UST DPEG. One was, of course, at the time, the centralization of the, um, the, the token ownership. That was one problem. That was a problem waiting to happen. And the second one was the number of um yeah well the number of team tokens that ultimately could get you know dumped under the market at some point or the other um the other issue with um with it was the relative amount of high um like damage that could happen with the ust luna peg mechanism to the primary governance structure of the system which can which did happen obviously which is why um we had this Luna Classic to Luna Split. You should never have a situation where the base chain breaks. And um, even if you have like these stablecoin based mechanisms, they really can't be tied to the primary coin. Um, it's almost like you'd have to have a triple system of maybe a governance token plus a mm, store of value token plus a stablecoin token. Some sort of triumvirate system probably is the way to go because these are the three major features people seem to require in crypto. Um, but yeah, like with, with Luna going forward, I think we need to be thinking about that. Um, 
maybe we need to like bring up an agora about how to now fuck up the primary chain this time. <laughs> like, you know, what what happened exactly? And I, I don't think it's an issue in the sense that um, it is a Cosmos-based chain, so um, it has the typical risk factors of a Cosmos chain. But some early preemptive strategies to encourage decentralization um, probably need to be worked on. Anyway, just as a side thing. Hey, Sefi. Um, hi, Zero X. Um, question. What's up? Hey, hi. How are you doing, guys? Um, just a question because you were talking about gaming stuff, right? And um, I think on the blockchain side, all these games, they're quite serious. Even the NFT collection, there's so much ugly stuff. And there's been so much drama in 2022, so many rock pulls and everything, right? It's, it's just it's just really bad, you know, and just make fun sometimes to open the phone and look up all these things. So we need some fun, right? And I mean, Bruce or Xerox, you know, other guys like Chugga, they're really funny, you know? I mean, you're really funny guys, you know? Sometimes there's a lot of laughter out there and I think this is sellable, you know? You can really build stories and make some silly NFTs, like even something like, you know, I always like the ben Bandai idea. They they had this little Tamagotchi, right? And they made a shitload of money, by the way, with this thing. And it's basically that little thing that you feed. So you have that little Sam Bankman freed and he needs another rock pull, you know, and you build this little like, story about this, this kind of, yeah, you know, he's got to scam someone, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know. Yeah, just, at a broader just make a, fun of broader context and the whole bullshit, you know. I think you could really sell that in a way. Yeah, as a broader context, you're just talking about gamifying the system to bring uh, user engagement interaction. Essentially, um, you're trying to all of that is trying to combine a social network with a crypto network, and I think um, yeah, well, there's mm, no one's doing it. So a lot of different attempts know. have been made. I don't know. There's no one's. I mean, this is like just putting some NFT collection out there. There's just another one, right? I mean, you really have to build a story. There's someone who has to tell a story, you know, and there's some people that are really good about that and people will follow that. I mean, this this like, um, for example, Bandai really managed to arbitrage of their comic series, right? I mean, basically they run their own TV stations and all this Naruto and the Power Rangers and whatnot. They all belong to them in the end of the day, right? I mean, they're a big toy company, but they build a story and they sold the merchandise, right? You sell the NFTs and you sell the story and there's a, a certain concept behind them. I mean, it's difficult to pull that off, honestly. But it, yeah, building a building a big like <laughs> publish, uh, building a big franchise like yes, that. Yes, but is, don't underestimate uh, what you already have there. There's a community, you know. I mean, if, if Bruce is putting out these shit posts, there's a lot of people reading them and laughing about it, you know. So don't underestimate that. This is something you can really monetize on. Yeah, the crypto communities have been interesting in that it's hard to get together like-minded people to to work together without funding. Um, the The issue has been if you look at community-based funding, you get one set of problems: no one knows what to vote for. Um, that's in a nutshell. That pretty much covers it. <laughs> like it's just a clusterfuck. If you get venture capital-based funding, then the problem is you have someone who wants to. Um, Someone wants to make money there that that um, wants a big chunk of the pie uh, and they want significant guarantees. Then you have the third set of like funding, which would be or, or volunteer based, which would be like, OK, I'm, I have my regular job. You have your regular job and everybody's doing their own thing. And then we make time in our day to do something crypto related or some artwork or something. Right. The problem is that that's not cohesive. And 
if you've ever worked on any major project, like it does take the entirety of your time uh, to do it well. And in fact, a really great project is one where you want to wake up in the morning early because you want to get like, and you want to get to bed as late as possible because you love doing it so much that it's like you can't find enough time of the day. That would be a typical thing. Um, anything short of that in this world today, like with great artists and great storytellers everywhere, you're just not going to compete in my opinion. I think it, it's, you'd have to give it your all as it were, like to really make that happen. And, um, and I think that ultimately requires funding and a proper team as of, and, and has very little to do with crypto all in all, you know, in all seriousness. Like I think those are kinds of things that if you can build a crypto element into it, it's one thing, but it's not like you, mm, none of that needs cryptocurrency as a, as a base layer. Um, you, you can create projects. We've talked about some that I've like was sort of bashing around in my head as far as like ideas, but, um, you, you have to make it a fun, pure crypto game, uh, and add all those elements, uh, like that the community would want to put in. But here's the other thing too, is like, if you think about how a movie's produced, like, um, I don't know, like an Iron Man or whatever, like, you know, like the, the Avengers or something like that. There's usually sort of a really, really big hierarchy of teams that put together those types of productions. Any kind of um, storytelling, game production um, of any scale requires a sizable, like, like serious number of people. Like, um, I remember when like World of Warcraft was getting built and one of my buddies became like the creative uh, lead guy there. Or I think he was in charge of like the quests and all that shit, right? Um, basically, like that, um, you know, is a full time job number one. But like, you have lots of different people in there. There's some nice, uh, funny Netflix series and Apple series, uh, I think, on on I think Mythic Quest or some shit. There's some interesting. Um, uh, there's some interesting versions of like how that played out. But if you watch those shows, it's very funny. But you have a team for pretty much everything. Like you have someone for art, you have someone for story, you have someone for, um, you know, creative lead and all these sort of elements. It's really a, a massive project to do well, Anub. And I don't see that arriving unless you plan on starting a game house like that does that. Hey, Bruce, what's up? Are you, are you there yet? <laughs> I'm here. Oh, there you are. Are you busy or something? Uh, just uh, eating. One sec. I need to do the same, actually, <laughs> while, while we're chatting. I need to go nuke something. Um, anyway, but yeah, the the I, I don't think uh, mm, there, uh, there's a few games out there. Illuvium, Star Atlas. Um, I've got to invest. Yeah, can I buy that point? Wait, what? Can I reply? Yeah. Do you do you uh, are you still working on games? Yes, yes, I've been working on games for a long time. What you up to these days? Well, personally, or in terms of my crypto development, or in terms of my game uh, lifestyle? Either, any any and all. What, what are you doing with yourself? Well, I, let me begin in ascending order, if you don't mind. In terms of games, I have realized that older games were better games. And these new games are not that fun. I had um, realized this. It is called melancholy. You know melancholy, CPI? It was at one point a medical disorder. <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I would agree with you. A significant portion of the older game titles are actually better, well, even well, till now. Like, I just pulled up No Man's Sky. It's pretty decent. You know, um, I, and it's I, been I, eight I years in the making. A game called uh, Counter-Strike 1.6 came out in 1999. And uh, I've been playing that every day for 10 hours to try and become the best in the world Counter-Strike 1.6, which is a lot easier considering that almost no one plays it anymore. That at its peak, it was the most popular game in the world. You're you're king of your own domain now. Yes. I am now one of the best Counter-Strike players in the world. 1.6. So my my view is this. People don't want to touch RTSs anymore. And for those who are not game inclined, an RTS is a real-time strategy. Real-time strategy requires thought, requires hard work, and requires drugs, like StarCraft. But people don't want to learn hard skills in life to play StarCraft well. They don't want to become grinders, right? They don't want to work so that they can maybe win a few games with a 50% win ratio. Everyone wants to win. Yeah, Jimmy, in StarCraft, as soon as the, um, I get killed by the, um, the computer the first time, mm-hmm. that's usually my cue to, to start thinking about quitting. Well, you know what? I blame your generation. You're a young man. In my era, when I fought in the Korean War, we didn't have AI. We had to build everything on our own. Do you play tabletop games, CPI? Tabletop games? Uh, like Monopoly? I hope you go to Hell, Stephi. I hope that you find it the Hellfire is easy for you. No, I don't mean Monopoly. I mean like Dungeons and Dragons. I got through, I never actually got through a full session of a, a tabletop game. Not once. Dad, what has become of our country? Have you, have you ever thought that maybe just in aggregate, humans have just gotten dumber and have a lower attention span over time. I thought we were supposed to get smarter. Are you telling me no, that? No, it's it's like the bell curve, right? Like we started out and then we improved, and then we reached a peak, and now we're on our way back down. No, oh. no. I think what it was is uh, originally video games back in like the eighties, nineties were totally a nerd thing, and the average IQ of people that played was substantially higher because it was that the barrier to entry to play was quite high you had to have expensive hardware which means you came from relative wealth you had to have like you had to learn how to like install 20 floppy disks and you know pirate them or whatever the fuck and get so and the barriers of entry i recall were like much higher back then so it was just a smarter group so now it's like just everyone's playing i don't think it's uh and those those rare i mean that those hardcore gamers are still there and there's a lot more of them then now than there were then I think overall. So I don't, I don't think that, but I think if you just go into a general community chat about video games, yeah, you have like every random person. It's not like an elite sort of social club anymore. Like it used to be. But I want the elite, you know, I want to bring this back to Lunk and Luna, Luna soldiers. We need the elite of Luna soldiers, commandos. And when I see people in this space, I you mean see like, you mean like, potential. Miller. Excuse me? Like Mahler, the, the German composer? Yeah. Well, was Mahler German or 
was Jamal's was German, right? And the Austrian. No, no, I'm, I was saying Nahler here uh, would be a good soldier. Am I right? No, that's not. So we need people who are self-disciplined, who if you want to build, I've never met a fad developer. They're all skinny because they're all on drugs and they don't eat a lot. I, I'm, I swear, guys, I actually haven't met many obese developers in my years. Good developers. How can you be obese and be a good developer working like 14 hours a day? You have to be spending like three hours a day eating. Mm, you know what you I mean? Probably, you could nuke some food and then like eat it afterwards. Nuke like while you were couldn't you? Oh, I, he couldn't code and work at the same time. He got two hands. One hand on the sandwich and the other hand... No, you got six screens, two hands, two eyes. Well, I swear, guys, I to feed them. What if? Well, you see, this is the issue of this generation. You know, my generation, we won the Korean War. Do you know what the Korean War was, Nalar? Real war in Korea. It was a war where you know, ever have they ever eaten kimchi before? Kimchi? Isn't, isn't that kimchi? that thing where they put everyone like in an underground building and they killed each other? No. You know, in the Korean War, we thought there were mines everywhere. But it turns out when we turned them over, there were kimchi pots. People put kimchi in these pots and ferment them over the winter. It was cold. There was no indoor plumbing. People had to sew and stitch on their own. Pi, can you stitch? Can you sew? Um, I've sewed a couple of knots in my day, yeah. Knots? Usually it's through human skin, though. It's not usually through clothing. Yeah, you see. Can you even crochet, Pi? No, I can't crochet. Can you? See, this is the problem this generation. This generation doesn't even know how to crochet anymore. Nuller knows how to crochet. I've uh, crocheted a bot before. But that's just me personally. Well, thank goodness Jimmy the Otter's been and gone with his high energy antics. And now we can continue to talk about something. Oh, he's coming back. All right. Hide. Who, who removed him? Who who removed him? Own up. Not me. Not me. I'm busy making pasta. I added him back. Hello, Jimmy. Ah, there he is. I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, the declining intelligence of civilization. I think that the bell curve theory is right. I think that people are using more and more technology and they're forgetting how to do stuff like, for example, navigation. I don't know how to get to my local shops without my sat nav. I just read it, but I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you the way. Um, and I think that's true for everybody. I hope it's true for everybody. And it's not just me. Well, like, I'm wondering, do you, do you ever check if someone's replaced your sat nav with just like a cardboard cut of a sat nav? Like, do you check that every day? I do. 
I do check that not involuntary, not voluntarily, but just by using it, I verify that it's not made out of cardboard. Okay, because that happened to me one time, and I was I was really stuck going in circles for a while. Let me reply to this point. You know, a long time ago, we had these things called maps, and before maps, we had this thing called the sun. CPI, you remember the sun? It was a thing that came out before pollution. No. I try to steer clear of it. You had to know the direction you're supposed to go. And now these youthful people, when you put them in a situation where they don't have access to their smartphone, they seem very unconfident when it comes to the direction they need to walk towards. They could spend a few minutes walking and ask, are we going the right direction? Not realizing the position of the sun that day gives them the direction that they're supposed to go to. They ask, you know, where, where are we going? They don't know. This is the problem, this generation. Okay. And I blame people like Noller. Noller, they have basically contributed to the mass death of wisdom in society. And this is, of course, why I've emigrated to another country. I've emigrated to Uzbekistan to be with traditional people living as nomads, to live the natural life, not like Noller, who's covered in Cheeto dust and watching Pornhub all day. Hey, Cheetos are pretty good, man. You know, when you have to cook food all the time, store food. They know. now make them with white cheese and jalapenos. Did you know that? I think you should uh, well, take back what let me, you just let said. Let me ask you a question, c When's the last time you cooked a stew? Mm, a stew, it's been about a month and a half. Stews are the traditional dinner method to feed a large family. Were you aware? Uh, no. Hey, Jimmy, I have a quick question for you, man. Uh, considering your great disdain for this generation and for, uh, you know, the use of smartphones, how come you're on a Twitter space right now? How's the reception in Uzbekistan, man? He's a spec. Hey, listen, don't, don't call out Jimmy. Um, I think Jimmy's full of shit, man. I think he's. I think he's full of shit. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. No, no. I like the. I like the way that everyone has gathered here today, given the release of the new station wallet, and the first probably major exciting thing happening. Big news! It's and not out. All we're hearing is. All we're hearing is Jimmy. It's happening in two days, right? Yeah, two two days. Mm-hmm. In two days, the greatest wallet that crypto has ever seen will be released. And everybody's already downloaded it. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, my, my suggestion is that if everyone here has come to hear about that and all they hear is Jimmy the Otter, they'll probably leave and never come back. I'm here to posit uh, something a little controversial. Is it too early to start talking about UST 2.0? No. I think everyone... I think every single person here above 50 IQ knows that Do Kwon is single-mindedly, fixatedly obsessed with this idea. And everything in the meantime is a means to the end, just a bridge, just an excuse, like a Trojan horse to get into the heart of it. It, it, it has no other meaning. And in the end, he'll voluntarily blow up every single thing he's created if he can have one chance at UST2.
Well, I think what you've done is just reinforce uh, the common belief that Doquan is just an idiot, right? Uh, we've seen how UST has panned out, and uh, I don't think anyone wants a repeat of it. And we know now that algorithmic stablecoins are not stablecoins, so uh, why go back down that path? Uh, in my opinion, with the very little Luna that I hold, um, if we go back down the path of UST, uh, among others, uh, I think a lot of people will be out of this ecosystem. You know, when the, the White, uh, Wright brothers were designing their planes and doing the initial test flights and trying to get off the ground, there were big fat men who stood in the fields and mocked them and snarled and laughed at them and said, it'll never work. And that's you, my friend. All right. Well, uh, that is, I guess, an argument, but I wouldn't argue that it is a correct argument. Uh, the Wright brothers, even though they failed, they did not uh, kill people. <laughs> through their failures, or at least not a lot of people, like Do Kwan has liquidated um, planes, planes uh, millions. Crashes. I'm pretty, pretty sure that plane crashes have killed way more people than Do Kwan. Well, no, I'm not saying Do Kwan has killed people. I mean that Do Kwan has liquidated and cost uh, a lot of money through his actions and what happened with UST. So I don't think a repeat yeah, is, entire, uh, is something we need right now. Entire countries have gone to literal zero. And, in fact, most and I'd them. also argue that I think this is just the harsh awakening and realizing that permissionless custody, uh, custody of your own assets is a pretty dangerous thing uh, and should not be recommended to people who aren't willing to stomach the risk or prepare for that reality. Um, I think it's just kind of a reality of tech innovation because like back in the day when Absolutely. the internet was coming alive, everyone was like, don't fucking use it. It's full of scams, Nigerian princes. Um, and so like, I, I think that just with any tech innovation, you're going to have, unfortunately, people who just aren't prepared for the implications and the power of using it. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. But in this situation, right, um, we already have had this happen. Uh, we know that it doesn't work. So why do it again? I, don't I mean, we've tried it. We've given it a shot. Obviously, permissionless custody of your assets is a dangerous thing. But the way UST was presented and the Terra ecosystem Although was advertised I would, I would, I was as a very out, safe thing. I could point out quite readily about uh, a dozen different things that could be done differently that um, improvements to make it um, better than yes. it was, though. So it's well, not as if like there's not a laundry list of like, like so, for example, when airplanes were being developed, uh, there was no jet engine originally, uh, for example. Uh, and there's a lot that wasn't understood about um, about flight and the optimal uh, control surfaces and the optimal um, lift surfaces and everything else and what would be the most efficient form of flight and, every, and all of that. None of that was really clear for many, many years. It took like, what, um, half a century to sort it out. So from that mistake, one of the important things about making mistakes, similar to how like Elon blew up from rockets or, you know, um, you know, sometimes manned space flight, like the space shuttle blows up, for example. Um, some of these things, uh, the mistakes is where you learn most of the things that you can change and do better. And there's at least a dozen things I could list off the top of my head that could make um, a stablecoin system a lot more interesting than it was before. Yeah, I'm not quite understanding the argument here. It's the argument that if something has failed, you shouldn't try anything else in future that's similar. Uh, that's not exactly my argument. Uh, what I'm mainly saying is that I'll be out of the ecosystem, and I think many others will be, uh, if we see a repeat of what happened previously with UST. I'm not uh, essentially condemning uh, building a new UST ecosystem. I mean, if people want to uh, be a part of it, then uh, 
they're free to do so. Uh, my opinion is simply that uh, we shouldn't be going down. You know, I mean, what changes have been proposed to fix this, right? Uh, all we're hearing right now is, oh, we should do UST again. Well, how are we going to do it differently in a way that uh, makes it possible for us to not get burned? I'll, I'll tell you this. Well, well one thing would be not tying it to the primary coin. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't do this. Yeah, whatever you build, there. What the, if anything failed? The most obvious thing wasn't the algorithm necessarily, or even the um, arbitrage mechanism. The most obvious thing that failed, and was not, was really the biggest risk here was two major things. One was that too much of the Luna was actually held by TFL. That was a one major point of failure that would have happened at some point if not for the. The the known sort of like Alameda FTX DPEG incident that they caused. <laughs> um, the second uh, thing is that you tie the mechanism to the primary governance token of the base layer of the network. That's a second problem. So yeah, any kind of uh, stable that would be built on like Luna Feather chains or something like that, I wouldn't want it to be tied to the primary governance token either, unless unless you had a three pronged system of some kind that produced one is a stable coin one is a governance token and one a store of value token you you i'm sorry uh no the the stable coin the store of value and the governance token i think would have to be all separate and sort of like a triad of chains of some kind um but yeah i don't think it can be done the way it was done before necessarily i think um, I nala is that. is salivating to answer this question because he's been thinking about decentralized stores of value quite a lot recently, as far as I'm aware. Indeed, still I'm thinking a lot. I think, I think the biggest thing is liquidity, honestly. Like if kind of what LFG was trying to do with the BTC reserve, if they had literally thrown all that BTC in an LP pool against UST, uh, we likely would not have seen like USTD peg as significant again for as long. Like literally a simple LP pool would have done a better job than the job that they did that's you know crazy things were happening and they made decisions um but like literally that i think would be a simple and effective solution that would have like yes we would have depegged but like let's say we take 30 percent of outstanding market cap of usd for example and we throw it into an lp pool even if every single ust is sold back into that pool the price would only go down to like i think it's what close to 40 cents on the dollar. Um, and that's not accounting for fees. That's not accounting for people trying to arbitrage against it. Um, and even that I think would have been a improvement significantly. And then over time, as more and more trading occurred against that pool, the price would have slowly equalized back towards the dollar. Um, because at the end of the day with these DeFi pools, like you actually have to have a token to sort of put in and trade against it, right? So like with centralized exchanges, if you have perps, you can go like, and in theory, short 100x the market cap of any token, right? But if you're trying to throw it into an LP pool, like that mechanism just doesn't occur. Um, so like, that's a simple thing they could have done. Um, and there's a lot of other things in terms of like strategy and liquidization, like as more is coming out of a DCG, right? Uh, when they did the swap for a billion of Luna, 
right? That was one of the big things that kickstarted the whole DPEG, right? Um, so it's a lot of those things that can be done with liquidity management. And in my opinion, the more I look at the ecosystem, like that is the only thing that matters. The more dollars you trap into the system, the more liquidity you get, the more use cases you can have. Also another, from there. along with that, Doe's point I think is that um, you need to build uh, economic activity first and then have a stable coin currency because if you think about it like uh would i create a would i create a currency i.e the dollar and then create a country like the united states or would i have a country with economic activity and then you have the stable coin on top of that um so it could go i so if you have the economic activity then that creates a stability mechanism that's separate from um from everything else mm -hmm. i actually Kind of disagree with that because I think in the cases that we've been able to observe with traditional money is the problem is that like there's inherent sovereignty with like a country, right? So like a country can go out and say like you have to use U.S. dollars to pay for services, um, whereas like a decentralized financial network doesn't have the ability to do that. Um, so you kind of need to have the incentive to join. Um, so whether that's like cheaper transactions in the existing market that exists or um, deep enough liquidity that allows people to fairly exchange value. Like you need something like that first, which kind of requires you to build the money first, unless you find like a country willing to like let you run their financial system, which I don't see happening. Yeah. My perspective on this is that this, this conversation now, the things people are saying, our, our best ideas together, that might unfold over the next hour. I think that Do Kwon thought about those things when he was a five-year-old in school. Do you know what school he went to? I don't think our role is to be original or creative or try and solve the problem. I think it's just to, to support a great man. That's my perspective. So I stay humble. I would like to see borderless programmable money uh, on blockchains in some form or shape that seems to make sense and seems to work so that I don't have to hold shit coins um, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. I can hold a real stable coin that uh, there's always $1 and I can take it anywhere in my I like in my pocket, regardless of which country I go to. And it's always going to be worth $1. Um, that is what I want. Well, what we do we do know that if uh, someone if we don't produce it in a decentralized way, then you're going to get the centralized version of it, which is the much more punishing type of money to the human race. So it's not a it, that's not a very pretty sight, uh, regardless. Um, almost no matter what iteration comes out. The, the uh, Jared came and talked to the the Lunk people earlier. He came into the Lunk Live space with Mr. Diamond Hands to, to inform all of the, and Jared is a fan of the, Mr. Diamond Hands, by the way. I don't know if you hear Mr. Diamond Hands, but he's a big fan. Um, Jared is, has worked out how to integrate Lunk into the new Station Wallet. That means that all of the chains that uh, they're including in Station now, one of them is going to be Lunk. I don't know what the other ones are, but there, were, there was a list of like 23 chains. I'm not sure how many are actually going to be integrated at the start quite a lot um the interesting thing he talked about though was that uh tfl have a, a big plan for a revolutionary settlement layer in the next few months 
uh, I don't know when exactly, but I think he said March or April kind of time, um, maybe to roll something out. And he said they're already talking to uh, payment processors and credit card handlers and stuff like that. And I asked him the exact relationship between the settlement layer and Luna. And he said, I can't tell you yet. We're still deciding. But that's quite interesting. So, um, and then I, I asked a little bit about what station would look like about a year from now. And he talked about um, the fact that they want to have a sex-like experience. So limit orders, uh, dollar cost averaging, whatever you would find on a sex uh, regularly. He wants to integrate a lot of that into station. So that's quite interesting as well. But I think overall, the vision is just to to get rid of any centralized exchanges, any bridges, and do everything directly as soon as possible, which is quite cool. Yeah, that, I think the, that is a killer app. It's like the number one. And also, uh, people aren't necessarily looking for hundreds of cryptocurrencies to invest in. I would say most people you talk to on average are probably in a few things. And a small fraction of people maybe own 10 or more uh, crypto digital asset type things. And if you can have one good experience with one uh, system that you like to use, it's likely to be popular, especially if it's an asset that has the right, um, uh, I guess, tokenomics and distribution, everything else. At least now with the new Luna chain, we have a better distribution of validators we have uh, than we had before, like whatever criticisms about um, token ownership, I think you're a little bit better now. Um, you know, I think the Nakamoto coefficients score that uh, um, smart stake put out was interesting. It's like one of the higher decentralized networks along with, uh, I think, uh, stars. Um, so that's kind of cool. Well, not stars. Omniflex actually was the other one that was on the high uh, decentralization list. So we have some of those features now. And now it's just like if we can have an experience where some of the trading apparatuses that we like to use on a KuCoin or a Binance and things like that could be put together and made easy to use, I think it'd be very popular. Um, I'd use those things. Mm. I might have to listen to the Mr. Diamond Hands um, recording now so I can hear exactly what Jared said. Yeah, I missed the, I missed the start. I just popped in in the last like five minutes. But he, he seems like he's got a long-term vision. It seems like there's a lot going on in the background as well with this settlement layer stuff. He was a bit evasive about it. I tried to, to dig and probe, but he was like, mm, we're having an internal disagreement about various things. But um, he said that as well, they've been working on this thing for the last like year and a half. He said it's not new. He said it was uh, developed when UST was alive. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I will also add, though, they are really, from what I know, um, really talking to protocols to try and find more and more metrics on, like, how do we get people to actually use the chain? Because that is a significant issue that they're having right now. Yeah, it's this weird bear market uh, thing where when prices of things aren't going up, like, everyone disappears. Um and becomes kind of uninterested since the primary use case of crypto so far has been speculative. Like the you know the audience shows up when all the technical metrics look better. So you know when moving averages look are looking like they're flattening out and things are kind of going up uphill again and everything else. The way it works right now, it's like without that sort of like daily activity that's not related to that speculative component, you're going to just keep having this problem. I think. 
I don't know how um, they're going to achieve. Like, I don't, I don't know how they're going to achieve the bigger user base during a bear market. That's the trick. The merge. The story. <laughs> so what, so what, what is the status of the merge now, Bruce? What's the, uh, has this materialized into something yet? Well, I think the, the revelation of Lunk being integrated into station is good. Because I think the, the Lunk army will realize the value of TFL. And they'll see the the integration into station as something like a gift or a treasure. You know, when the I don't know, like the invaders go to an island or something like that. Or now there's the 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 island in the middle, I, th I think, south of India with the Sentinelese. You know, the island, the uncontacted tribe. If you went somewhere like that, presumably you'd come with some kind of treasure, right? You come with some kind of golden statue or something. Uh, such that the the people there value what you bring above taking your life, and I think there will be a similar dynamic with Station. So TFL have presented Station to the the Lunk people, and because they have done that, they will open their hearts to TFL. And I also think that because it's integrated into Station now, hopefully there'll be many more dynamics between the two coins and and whatever. I don't. I don't know. It's. It's. I think it'll be interesting. I think it's basically the first stage of the merge, in terms of symbolically opening up the hearts of people to TFL. I wonder what the size of the average lung holders' wallet is at this point, as far as monetary value. I can idea. Yeah, I think our average staker is around uh, one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, average. That's actually really good. I know it sounds stupid, but you like. The no, more more distributed it is, and the less sort of whale type folks you have, the better off for that. Um, and again, it's also you remember that thing I was saying before. It's like it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing. You're making a crackly sound, Seppi. Stop it. Oh, sorry. Don't make that sound. Um, th it's the bizarre thing where somebody will invest a hundred dollars, and because they're a small time investor, and because I think they they tend to go all in with these small investments. They spend an extortionate amount of time uh, on social media and Twitter and spaces and everything trying to find out what's going on, trying to uh, pump it up or whatever, <laughs> post in the, the, the green bar charts and whatever else. And it's a weird thing because somebody who invests only $100 or a few hundred dollars will invest like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, like much more than any whale will. Um, I find that kind of surprising in, in a way. Like, uh, I'll ask people, hey, how much, about how much, you know, Lunk or Luna or whatever you have. It's like, oh, $200. I'm like, so you're, you're here on Twitter spaces pumping your bag that's worth $200. That's interesting. Um, well, they, yeah. don't, they don't do a time trade off, do they? It's like, a, it's like the, it, it's like what we're talking about with getting into any domain. It's like you enter that domain and the, there is a level at which you want to know when to buy or sell, right? Like you want to know, is something destructive happening? Have, you know, like the TR scam thing. Has something like that happened? Do I need to get the fuck out of here? And the only way to, to monitor that on an ongoing basis is to spend your time monitoring, right? To find out, to come to social media, to do whatever. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff, like monitoring, knowing when's good to buy, when's good to sell. Like just you're kind of checking and monitoring. And I think the other part of it is just the, when you enter that social environment, 
you start to develop a meaning in it. You start to know who people are. You start to know who Bruce is. You start to know who Sefi is. You start to know who Zero Sears is. You start to know who Mr. Diamond Hands is. You start to like them as people. You start to talk to them. Like it's, it becomes your, your strange little social world. And you then start to feel like a weird loyalty that extends beyond just holding the coin, which is both the, one of the beauties of it and also one of the curses, right? <laughs> like, like that happened to a lot of us with uh, Luna as well. Yeah, there's, of course, some bag holder effect. It's just interesting how small a bag one has to have to get that that deep oh. into it, which is fascinating. That's a fascinating piece of this. Seemingly uh, inverted as well. It, from my experience, the smaller the bag holder, the, the more likely they are to spend some time. Because the smaller they are, the more I think the more likely they are to go all in with what they have and be from some place, maybe the third world or whatever or be in some state of poverty on some level and to yeah, have like a couple of hundred bucks a couple hundred bucks a lot of money in some places yeah they have it become their hope. amount they have it become their hope almost like like this is the one thing that's going to be my my way to freedom or something and i think for a lot of them as well they're quite new to it so it's like they're kind of finding out seeing what's happening on social media and stuff uh and i i guess in some ways because they because they have a low amount of money or net worth, they are less likely to value the cost of their own time. Or you think it's like they don't have a way to monetize that time very well either way. So it's like, um, so they don't, they're not equating it that way, maybe. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's um it's a weird phenomenon. I think the now lunk investors with a hundred two hundred dollars are far more active than the whales of the old Luna, <laughs> just on a basic level. When, um, when the more... No, that, that, is, that is objectively very true. <laughs> You'll have right. like multimillionaires, uh, you know, say, hey guys, how are you doing? And then like leave. And then you have people that have like little bitty amounts hang out a long time, which is, um, yeah, it's very, this, this, whole, this whole concept is very true. I, I, that's why I like your idea of like, uh, the important thing is to get someone to download the wallet and get one Luna, right? That's all that matters. Yeah, like like that was, yeah, that's kind of the thing I've come up with. Or I've, I started phrasing it like, uh, <laughs> almost like Dope One can save us all, but he needs you to show one sign of loyalty. You don't need to show much. He just needs to see, like with his, with his omnipotence, he needs to see that there's one Luna in your wallet. That, that's all he needs to see. Then he's happy. And they're like, all right, I'll buy one Luna then. Even though I've got millions of Lunk, I'll buy one Luna. So Dokon is happy. When the Mormon church invested $1 million into my application uh, on a different blockchain, they did it after a one-hour phone call and a 30-minute follow-up. That was it. They didn't do any more thinking and following up beyond that, which was surprising, but not that surprising. So there's some context for everybody. Don't spend 24 hours uh, a week listening to Twitter Spaces unless it's this Twitter Space, in which case do. But did you read the, the full contract you signed yours? Because I think they have a part where they buy your soul. In that the beautiful thing was that there was no contract whatsoever. It was just Interesting. stick the money in the smart contract hole. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, like some a lot of the um, money that came into crypto this time 
was all sorts of like new pension funds, hedge funds, this, that, and the other thing. Um, with the amount of wreckage this year, uh, those same groups are going to be kind of like, they're going to be pretty gun shy. It's one thing to bring retail back in. It's another thing to bring funds back in after they've been burned heavy. Um, and I think the, the number of, the amount of chaos being created by um, a few players in the industry this year was a little bit crazy. I don't think anyone expected there to be um, maybe so few entities causing so much of the chaos um, with Genesis and DCG and Alameda and FTX and everything. It was a pretty, um, I don't know. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, but on this, at the same time, if you look at uh, uh, how Do Kwan was talking to different entities to support Luna, um, an interesting piece of that puzzle was uh, that there were only a few entities they could go to to create LFG, remember? Um, so I think uh, Do had a pretty good sense of the centralization of, of crypto in terms of um, funding sources. Uh, never really talked about it much, but I think he was keenly aware of it. And, mm -hmm. and actually, that's part of why uh, Luna got wrecked, is because the same people that he was going to to support LFG were the same people that were using that insider information about and uh, and then stabbing everybody in the back with it. So yeah, SBF should, should really burn in hell, quite frankly. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't go after him for insider or manipulation trading. Or didn't um didn't Zhu Su say that uh, even during yeah. the deep, when yeah, they were yeah. doing the rounds that, that people were trying to to try and get in the rounds just to fuck it over <laughs> and like disrupting it by pulling out suddenly and stuff. Yeah, I think some of those shenanigans um are gonna happen and I think the um that's the problem with the so called community. Uh, like most of the community, whatever that is, is simply not financially aligned. Um, and I think what happens in the euphoria of like bull market times is there's a sense that like everybody is in it to together. We're all going to make it. And this is true of, you know, the banks. It's true of the various hedge funds and Galaxy Digital and whoever. And there really isn't that concept at all like at, at a fundamental level <laughs> like and the the best testament to that is how outside of suzu who basically has nothing to his name now is wrecked so he can say whatever very few players in the center um uh are still tweeting anything much less um anything positive right now i mean where did Gall where did mike novogratz go where did that asshole yeah I, I consider many of those people to just be fucking pussies I will say that is a bad example. Mike is still working with Galaxy. Um, so he's been doing a bunch of stuff from what I know. No, he's doing things, but like notice how the public um, persona disappeared, right? Like he just, he's gone. He's just nowhere to be seen. I haven't seen him mm -hmm. on Twitter. He's just not worth, I mean, he's dealing with a bunch of DCG shit um, <laughs> right now. From what okay. I know. Oh, is he caught up <laughs> in that too? Yeah. Well, he personally, no, but like some assets is from what I understand, like Galaxy are tied up. Of all the funniest things, you know what, uh, what asset I'm up on the most on the last couple of weeks? So of all of the stocks and things that I bought, the funniest thing is my Coinbase stock is up the most. 
Is that the craziest fucking thing? Anyway, it's like it's the one thing that no one wants to touch. Seller exhaustion, I guess. Interesting, though. What's everyone excited about the most on Luna 2? They can't wait to do and, and, to, and to throw their Luna coins at. Or if it doesn't exist, what should there be? Well, um, I asked Jared, is there anything little known or very exciting about the new station wallet? And he said, yes, lots. And then he said no more. That was in our DMs earlier. So I think something interesting should come. <laughs> no, I think his question was more like, what would you want to see? No, I know, I know, I know what it was. I'm just saying in the, in the next two days, there should be something interesting. I think the direction that you mentioned is, is exciting. It's kind of like you want to have the experience you have on a centralized exchange, but you want to have it using an app that is comprehensive, secure, it works properly, the user experience is great. And one of the DeFi problems with the with wallets that basically don't do anything, but only just do simple transactions, is they ju they just don't have that user experience generally. So yeah, having limit orders and everything else right on your app would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Although super centralized, so the problem is like the when that it's fine in the beginning, but as it grows, what happens is people say, "Well, okay, there's this one wallet, and um, what happens if it's not secure or something happens?" Uh, so Later, usually alternatives will show up, but someone's got to build something in the beginning to bring users in. And I think that user experience is what, what would make it happen. Because right now, I don't know, like even on MetaMask and um, like uh, MyR and, you know, a few of the other wallets out there, not many of them have a full experience on wallet. Uh, anybody aware of anything where you can get a full trading experience? No. No. Yeah, so like that's that's a gap that needs to be filled, I think, even though it results in some uh, centralization of the developers building the wallet. It is what it is, but I was thinking like politically as well. Like like let's imagine that you you are in semi bad favor with a lot of cosmos chains and a lot of users throughout the cosmos. What would you do to win them back to your side, right? You would provide them all with tools they could use and things that are genuinely useful to every single one of, one of them, every chain, every uh, investor on every single chain. And that looks pretty much what he's doing, right? Like with the, with the station wallet thing, to provide uh, what will presumably be the best wallet in the cosmos for free when many chains are paying, say, Kepler for 400000 a year or whatever. I think that's the fee they quoted, Kujura, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I guess the question for them to answer is like, how do you incentivize as many people as possible to use the new station wallet? And how do you make it superior by far to all other wallets? Yeah, it's not a very high bar. I think most people, when they use their wallets, they know what user experiences they want. Um, and they're just not getting it in crypto, generally speaking. So that's why they end up, they, people don't find the reason why they want to bother moving their funds off of Coinbase or Binance or whatever. Mm. They're, they're just not getting some, it's not interesting enough to them. Because, you know, if you have like $100 or $200, uh, 
um, what is the incentive for you to test all this stuff out, right? Like that's that's the issue, and I think um, it's why it's why the centralized exchanges get popular in the first place. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it. I guess it's really good that the lung people are uh, integrated as well because that will be, I think, around two hundred thousand people who all have the new station wallet instantly. Are they adding the ability to ultimately? Um, buy- well, the thing is, like, the one piece of the puzzle that they can't compete with a centralized exchange on generally is, like, a fiat on-ramp that's any good. And if fiat on-ramps like Binance and Coinbase become more expensive, like, let's say it's, uh, like, a 1% fee or something, then you'd be able to compete with similar things on wallets. Um, but right now, like, there's, like, generally the fiat on-ramps have too high of an on-ramp fee. And it bothers people when they're spending one percent on these things. Yeah, well, or, or even I mean, one, or two percent or three percent. Yeah, Jared said he didn't say much, but he said they're working on what will be the fastest settlement layer. I think there is in crypto or something like that. And he also said they're speaking to five, ten different payment processes. So I don't know what this is. I don't. I don't understand much about it really in general. But that was the details he gave. I almost, I kind of agree with you guys. Like, I think the biggest thing is that, like, simple barrier. Like, think about, like, if we found a way to essentially create, like, a Zelle or a Cash App equivalent um, in, like, each country. Um, and then, literally, you could do all your transactions on chain as, like, a person. You can get paid on chain, everything. And you could just interact with that app. And then, it's all free. Chain subsidized it. And then for the normie that's using it, it's like, hey, this is no different than Cash App or Zelle. But if they want to pull out to their bank account, they can too. Um, but like, it would just become such an easy, easy to use system. And I think like that's the biggest thing that's missing right now. Does you know with uh, what's the most uh, popular Cosmos wallet? Is it Kepler? Yeah, probably Kepler, and so. Kepler doesn't have all the chains, though. So if you want to get all the Cosmos coins, you generally have to go to um, Cosmos Station, Mm. which is an interesting user experience. They also have in Cosmos Station, they added the ability to add apps directly to the wallet, by the way. Um, Nothing complicated, but I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Oh, the the Raccoon wallet. So the Raccoon Bets guys, they did a... um, a way to play the game via the Cosmos Station wallet, if I'm not mistaken, which is interesting. So uh, you open up the wallet and, and it's like almost becomes like a web browser interface in a sense where you can play something within it. Hmm. Do the chains pay Cosmos Station as well, or are they just paying Kepler? Like, what's the? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the financial scheme is there. Uh, I don't. Because that's that's one of the obvious things as well, right? Like if if uh station is superior or at least equal why would they continue to pay for the support on other wallets unless there's massive user base i guess mm-hmm. but like i don't know yeah and there's a lot of cosmos chains to support too because there's like 50 plus chains it's worth downloading cosmos station real quick and check seeing it and you'll see what i'm talking about there it's a long list of coins and it's still kind of confusing but mm-hmm. the way cosmos wallets work um if people were not aware of this before 
Um, you, you have a seed wallet. Um, your primary seed phrase can generate wallets of all the other chains. It's a kind of a Cosmos native feature, which is cool. So if you go into like Kepler and you create a brand new wallet, it can create a, um, from that address, you can then create, uh, it's like a, I don't know what the right word is in the language for it, but like you can, you can generate any other chain's wallet that goes with your wallet. Um, and the seed phrase would, would derive those other wallets for you. Does that make sense? So you don't have to manage lots of seed phrases. Um, you just have to manage primarily your, your primary regenerative one. And uh, the others can be derived from it or something. I, I don't know the terminology used for all that shit, but like you, you get the picture. That's kind of cool. Um, and if you create one in Kepler and you're like, oh, I, I forgot to, I should have done it in Cosmos Station because there's more wallets there. There's more chains there. You can just take your initial seed phrase, plug it in on your Cosmos Station wallet, and it'll generate the other chains for you from there. So it's, it's a cos, I don't know if it's Cosmosm or Cosmos specific thing feature. It's not specific to the individual wallets. And it can, mm. you can do the same for Luna, for example. So let's say someone comes into Cosmos Station. You would be able to spontaneously generate a Luna and Luna Classic, an Atom wallet, and everything simultaneously. Or the flip side would be, let's say you already had an Atom wallet. In theory, you should be able to bring that uh, wallet in. And then it'll generate a Luna or Luna Classic wallet for you. What you can't do is you can't tie a pre-existing Luna wallet and a, uh, a new Atom wallet together in any way. Um, and you can keep them separate if you prefer that for security or whatever, too. But Kepler and Cosmos Station both work like this. The most annoying it's, it's thing pretty- about Kepler isn't like it's about 200K or something they ask to integrate your chain. It is, isn't necessarily that. It's the fact that you can't like like you you can still you can still use Kepler. You just turn up in like the non-paying section, like in the the non-VIP area, like the 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 untested chains or like all sketchy bit at the bottom. But you can't do mobile. Like you can't um, connect a Kepler wallet on mobile um, to your chain if you don't pay that that fee. And so you can't test apps on mobile using Kepler. You can't like do any of that useful stuff, which is a pain in the ass. Um, so it's extremely good that um, Terra Station, which is an objectively better wallet anyway, is um, going yeah. to multiple chains. I'm very pleased. And presumably be the obvious choice for anything semi-small that doesn't want to pay those big fees. And also, um, yeah, like anything fledgling or infant any new chain like Kujira was, I don't know, like four months ago or something. It and, and don't would forget, probably only be Station Luna is not was not supported on Cosmos Station or on um, or on Kepler before. So the plus side to Station doing this is uh, people that use it, like that might use Atom or something else, they now might become uh, Luna users as well so i think there's an, an element of bringing in an audience of people that weren't using it before that's right. uh, like to, to me cosmos station i'm sorry not uh, the the station wallet from terra like mm, the things that they should focus on first and foremost maybe is just the retail type chains like for example um or or the or the community chains so examples of that would be juno it would be uh stargaze it would be um maybe omniflix things like that so the benefit of that is that you bring all of those kind of um, uh, like NFT communities together. 
you bring really the retail small guy in and that's a those are people that are more likely to um partake in buying themselves tokens of other chains right when the when bullish times continue like now this wallet has the ability to convert my atom into luna or whatever uh that's more likely to occur when it's all right there and previously it was a huge pain in the ass um to go you know send it to a centralized exchange and then swap it at kucoin or somewhere and then all that business it was is boring um for a while you could do it on osmosis with ust um but uh we all know how that happened so like that that didn't work out but um yeah ultimately but the problem was that on osmosis you could not create I'm sorry, on Kepler, you could not create a Terra wallet. Um, you could transact UST, but it was frustrating. The other chain that has interesting like user um, experience is Thorchain with you know the the ability to sort of swap between these different things. They're trying to build kind of uh, I think they're trying to build in limit orders and things like that there as well. Um, but I think Terra Station's user experience is much better than anything. Um, that Thorchain ever had. Like the only reason I ever wanted to use Thorchain was to connect my Terra Station wallet to it to do things. <laughs> but other than that, uh, I don't know. They, they don't have a, a cohesive wallet experience or anything like that on, on Thorchain that I'm aware of. Oh my God, there's, uh, you mentioned Thorchain and there's some kind of Thorchain freak who's come to talk. I've added him. Oh, Chad. <laughs> one, of, uh, one of Chad's little spies come to to talk <laughs> what's up guys hey chad what's up nothing much just listening in for the last few minutes um yeah i mean just one uh comment on on that last part is you know thorchain itself doesn't create any wallet so uh you know it's more of a back-end thing that any any wallet can integrate so something like terra station could absolutely do that um and get access to things like native bitcoin eth like really all other chains outside of cosmos that's really the the value prop of Thorchain yeah. is being able to trustlessly or trust minimize go from one chain to another exchanging value. Um, so, you know, I remember there was talks of that even way back on Terra V1 of potentially getting true multi-chain experience in Terra Station way back, but I'm not on top of the Yeah, on, on Terra V1, it got to the point where you could, uh, you could deposit single-sided LP of Luna into the um, into the Thorchain network or on on Thorswap, whatever you call it, um, and that's about where it ended. Um, you couldn't do much more much else than that, and you had to have two separate wallets um, if you had to do like, let's say Luna and I don't know Bitcoin, for example. You'd have to have a Bitcoin wallet separate. So unless Terra Station wanted to integrate hard soft wallets. Or hot wallets into all of the for all of those chains, um, like I don't know. Does Thorchain? Is there anyone that's produced something like that for Thorchain, like X Wallet or somebody? Well, there's like, who, there's who do you like, use regularly. There's open source stuff that any wallet can integrate. Like for example, I mean, there's tons of multi-chain wallets out there. And also tying back to what you were saying about deriving wallet addresses from seed phrases, unless there's something I don't understand, that's actually not unique to Cosmos. You can you can derive any chain address uh, from any seed phrase, so long as they're using just like the common cryptography that pretty much every chain uses. And that's how with, say, like a ledger hardware wallet, you only have one seed, yet you can generate addresses on, you know, 20 different chains or whatever. 
So for example, you could take like a Cosmos Atom uh, generated seed phrase, and you could put that into a multi-chain wallet like XDeFi or even Trust Wallet, and you could generate, you know, native Bitcoin address, uh, you know, every, every supported chain. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if Cosmos has any like special implementation or anything like that, but yeah, it, it's, it's not a unique thing to Cosmos. That's for sure. But yeah, I think like the real value of, of a multi-chain wallet and, and kind of the vision I have is to be able to tra transact with, with any chain and, and why even just be limited to only, only Cosmos chains. I mean, that's still multi-chain in a sense that it's multiple chains within Cosmos, but it still leaves out huge ecosystems, you know, Bitcoin itself natively, uh, Ethereum, so many others. And so, yeah, you know, there's wallets like XDeFi uh, that have kind of been OG to the Thorchain space since the beginning and have, I think they're adding some, I don't know if they have any Cosmos chains yet, but I know that they, I'm sure it's on their roadmap for the relatively immediate future. But, you know, that's just the way I see it is like, Something like Terra Station, like yeah, that's great if it has all the Cosmos chains, but why not just expand it to have all the chains? I mean, to me, it seems kind of clear that that's where wallets, that's going to be like the end game for wallets, is that you can just use anything from well, anything. Thor, Thor Chain's biggest thing is uh, really like the fact that it's not giving you a bridge asset, right? Like it's not giving you wrapped ETH or whatever you're. Correct. Change an actual thing. I mean, there is there is infrastructure there that could go wrong, and problems could still occur. It's not like it's not risk free, as when it comes to sort of the LPs and everything else. There's there's technical risk there, but at least you're not getting a wrapped asset, and you're not dealing with a bridge that has to be maintained um, that can be hacked in a different way. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 got its plus sides that you're using native assets. Basically, it'd be nice to see it in. It'd be nice to see it incorporated into Terra Station as well. That'd be a cool like uh, addition because really, where's the liquidity? It's ETH, it's Bitcoin, right? So, and mm, I think Adam just made it back to the, maybe the top twenty or so coins. Finally, uh, it's always this laggard <laughs> year after year, but uh, it's it kind of made it back. So, I think maybe um, if they focus any wallet, if they focus on the primary source of liquidity. Um, then uh, you can make that wallet successful. And also, uh, Thorchain already has Atom natively integrated, which means you have like a one transaction swap from native Atom to Bitcoin, ETH, AVAX, BNB, a bunch more. And you know, if, if something like that was in TerraStation, then I assume TerraStation will have the the IBC aspects go between the Cosmos chains, and then you could bounce right over to to any other one. And and yeah, yeah, what you were getting on without wrapped assets, like that's definitely a key value prop, like. Sure, it has its own set of um, set of risks and security, economic security, um, all different types of security. But uh, yeah, you're not you're not locking value on one chain where it still exists and issuing value on another chain such that both such that the value exists in two places at once. That's how wrapped assets works. That's how that's how bridges work. Whereas with Thorchain, you're you're just exchanging asset A's value for chain or chain A's value for chain B's value. And there's, there's no like wrapping, bridging, locking, anything like that. Did you find that the last couple of years of how popular wrapped assets got to be kind of, it was an interesting anomaly. I know people like to kind of like, um, it's like the, the thing to always bash lately is like the Luna UST mechanism, but really the bridging mechanisms were, 
just as big, if not bigger. Um, and a lot of hacks happened on the bridges, which is fast, which is interesting. Yeah. I think there was like $2.5 billion in bridge hacks just in 2022, something like that. It's, it's a huge problem. And, you know, I mean, that's one way to wake people up, I guess, is to, to have a bunch of hacks. But, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of been really core to the, the ThorChain community for a long time. It's just like recognizing that there's a huge difference between real Bitcoin and a, a representation of Bitcoin somewhere else, for example. Right. So, yeah. Also, so what's so what's the deal with the new Terra Station? Why are you guys so excited about it? I I'm a little out of the loop here. I think you came in a bit late, uh, Bruce. You want to fill him in again? We, we've got like maybe a couple of days till it comes out, and there's going to be incorporation of a variety of things. One is an aggregator service. I believe TFM is. I'm not sure if that's going to be released um, immediately or not. But um, Terraformer is kind of a credible Dex aggregator type of thing. Uh, I believe that's going to be in there. So you're going to be able to go between certain Cosmos chains directly in the wallet, uh, which is sweet. Um, like, you know, fees and everything will get taken care of right there. Uh, you won't have to uh, jump around just to exchange tokens. Um, I think Luna, Luna Classic, Atom, I'm not sure what other coins are going to be introduced coming out the gate. Um, and apparently some sort of payment processor network idea might be happening at some point as well. Um, I don't know the nuances there, but I think there's not very many details released on that yet. Um, and right. then, of course, and then the other thing too, the big thing about TerraStation, which has made it one of the better wallet experiences so far as hot wallets go, is that you could interact directly with like games and other websites where hard wallets just make no sense for you know gaming type applications and things like that. So it's kind of going to be like a, I mean, I guess the vision is like a better Kepler. Uh, well, I think Kepler um yeah i just want to say I, th I think they have deliberately not talked much because they want to over deliver but the the long story is that it's out in two days so we'll, we'll see in two days but i think they have a lot of a lot of chain integrations and jared one of their developers says that there's a lot of uh unexpected features so we'll see nice i'll definitely take a look um yeah i mean i haven't really used TerraStation that much in the last six months or so, but used to be a big fan for sure with V1 and definitely was one of the best wallet experiences. So if that can go more multi-chain, then that's, that's great for everything. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, again, it's, I don't know what's being released in the next couple of days, which versus what's on the, the roadmap for the wallet. Uh, Cause so little has been talked about. So we I heard hints of a lot of different ideas. Um, you know, what exactly the timeline is not really clear. But uh, TerraStation is still um, like just very, very easy to use in that it uses Wallet Connect and you can directly interact from your phone uh, without any other, uh, I don't know, separate technology or whatever. It's pretty sweet. It's like the Terra experience as far as user experience was clearly one of the best in, in DeFi over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, that, hopefully that expertise being brought to bear um, into this new system, um, you know, breeds new life into the Luna chain. We'll see. Lorena, were you trying to say something? I don't know if I pronounced your name right. Uh, why don't you pronounce her name right? And then she might speak. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure this out. Uh, well, like, if, if is I, the R silent? If, if, there's, if a, there's, said, there's no vowel between L and R. So I don't know. If I said CP, you wouldn't speak. I probably would. 
but you might be confused and if you heard it out of the the edge of your ear you might not even notice so you pronounce it let's see how it goes i reckon it's like a rolling r and i reckon xerox ears would be the best larina you've got a very nice ferrari um however i have calculated your height based on you standing next to a ferrari in your picture and you are seven foot six, which makes you far, far too tall for me. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to pass on this occasion. Thank you. Oh, by the way, Sophie, would you like to join Height Chat? Oh, what the hell is Height Chat again? It's uh, <laughs> anyone on crypto Twitter, anyone prominent or maybe in the Lunar community or whatever has a photo. And in the background are objects such as chairs and desks or windows or whatever and that person is either avoidant about telling you their height or they say a height that is probably questionable given the perspective and the background we have a unique telegram chat where we discuss people's heights and working them out from objects around the room and, and the law of pythagoras and um, different rules and perspectives and engineering problems like for instance we worked out zach guzman's height because we had a full-length window <laughs> buildings in Singapore uh, and we managed I think Zero X has managed to work out like the size of the buildings and the perspective and we managed to work out that Zach Guzman is five foot four point four nine inches tall uh, you, who's Zach Guzman again he's the the coin edge guy let me do impression oh. it will help help so you why do we care about his height <clears throat> because he wasn't he wasn't being forthcoming about it and that's not acceptable Hello, Dokuan. My name is Zach Guzman. I have a question for you about Luna. Jesus Christ, you sound like a Star Wars character. Yeah, he's, he's got a vocal fry, a very distinctive vocal fry that he uses all the time. Yeah. Can you repeat what I say? Um, is I'll give you the script. I really, but I have to it say really it. hurts my throat. I'd rather not. Yeah. Do one more. Do one more. Say, um, say we are a fully decentralized media outlet and we are not funded by TFL. <clears throat> we are a fully decentralized media outlet and we are not funded by TFL. Okay. Was that, was that all right? Yeah. Ears is going to be an operation after this. I don't think the vocal cords can handle that. No, it's, it's pretty painful. Uh, but no, Zach Guzman, he does a vocal fry to compensate for his Napoleon syndrome and his five foot four point four nine stature. Um, he's towered uh, over. Hold on, I'm learning a lot here. I'm learning a lot here, but what's a vocal fry? Oh, you know when like you're listening to a podcast and then they go like, uh, you know, like they're talking like, and I was just walking. You know, they, they, that's like the Mike, Mike Wazowski slug lady. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, Wait, you know, what? You, you'll know it when you hear what it. podcast you're listening to? no you, you'll know it, you'll know it when you hear it <laughs> uh, like if someone's talking and they're saying like something that's personal or it's like they, they're, they're like ruining some information that's sensitive or something they'll do like this sort of weird fry sort of like croaking with their voice and maybe you didn't notice it until now but if you listen back to any podcast with some i don't know um like a hollywood director or actress or something and um and and they'll do this vocal fry all the time a vocal fry. Just listen to how the Kardashians speak. They do it all the time. It's just that like weird, like gurgling, letting your voice like. Uh... <laughs> I need I need a like an example of this 
I, I'm not imagining this. Maybe it was just, it seemed natural, but this is something mm -hmm. contrived. Like you do this on purpose. You it's do not your native. It's like, it's not your natural voice. He watched the interview with Zach Guzman and Do Kwon, the original CoinAge interview. Just watch that, man. Like, I'm sure you've watched it at least once. But that, yeah, that, he's all he, I don't know how you didn't notice. He's the worst guy for it. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I'll check it out. Also, I've, I've Telegram DM'd you the Height Research Group link, so you can join if you like. Height Research Group. I'm confused. Why do, why do this? <laughs> like maybe I'm an idiot or something. Well, is there, is why, there some, uh, why do anything? Why do these why do any, No, why I get do, it. I get it. Yeah. Like, so there is this kind of. So what has been the consensus so far in the Hyatt Research Group? What has happened? Well, you can join and see. You well, part you, of it. Like, but but the I think I would say the main the main point of it, if there was a point, is to, <laughs> to take somebody who is claiming a false height and to prove their real height by using reference objects and, and basically an engineering problem-solving brain to correctly assess it. So like, is the goal to fake everybody out by maybe, like, like let's say, for example, mm, you were to create a bunch of props, like a small car and a small house, and made yourself look tall for this picture and everything. Um, maybe use a little bit of, like, AI work or something. I don't know. Uh, some 3D exactly. wrapping. Is yeah. the goal is the goal to fake it or is the goal to what? Well, okay. I think that's it's like if if the height research group gets big enough, people will start buying different size objects. They will stray away from desk chairs and desks and other objects that most people have because they are easy reference objects. Um, and they will also use objects that other people have as 3D printed maybe scaled down slightly or something like that to try and fake. But, but yeah, the main, the main thing is just that the problem solving Sefi, it's like a, like we've had claims before, like one of the guys in the, the old lunar community, a guy called Terranaut or, or now called T-Nut, he claimed five foot 10 and me and ears had a, a real, we, we really took apart his pictures and investigated them and worked it out accurately that he was only five foot 5.5. So that's one of our cases where it's like a four and a half. And, and the thing is, like, if it was only a one inch exaggeration, we'd find that permissible. In fact, even two inches, we'd find that permissible. It's the fact of the, the sheer audacity to post pictures and claim you are four and a half inches taller than you really are. That's what's unacceptable. How? Yeah, but, uh, here's, a, here's a different question. Do people actually care how tall they really are? Oh, yeah, they definitely. Uh, so why do you think? Like, like, what's this obsession all about? Like, why do you think they're exaggerating? And I've covered it before in Spaces. Do you remember that study I mentioned, Sefi? The interesting bit of peer-reviewed. Obviously, people have been measured all around the world for a long time. But the interesting thing is, like, what is the average amount of exaggeration? And we know. Like, there was an interesting study. I think it did a 1,000 men. And the, the interesting thing about it is they came in and they wrote down their vital statistics because they just thought it was a normal survey. And then two weeks passed, and they measured them surprise. And the average level of exaggeration for uh, no shoes height was 1.7 inches on average. I think it was like 1.68 inches. So that's the average level of exaggeration. <clears throat> that, that, is, that is what's normal. And that is what is like a, 
an unspoken consensus between all men. All men agree to exaggerate by about one and a half inches because otherwise it would make other, other men look weird, right? Like if I am six foot tall and I say I'm six foot tall, then the guy next to me who's 5'10", who claims six foot, clearly isn't six foot. He's 5'10", right? Like he's revealed you, to be- But you would make these like, claims, what, to the opposite sex? Or you'd make them to your friends and well, family? Well, I think, I think it's just population-wide at this stage, but it's the, the main reason that happens is to impress women, yes, to be more viable for women. So if I'm a six foot male, I better damn say I'm six foot two, because if I'm in the company of a five foot 10 male, he needs to feel as though he's six foot and he needs to be seen that way by girls. Mm. So what you're saying is that you are going to purposely disadvantage yourself um, for the betterment of the other competitors is what you're saying. I, I don't believe that a height exaggeration beyond about 1.7 inches is ethical. And I think anyone claiming that should be exposed. And if, if we are to find someone's height and they're within that plus minus 1.7 inches range, I would not expose them. But as you know, just now, I would expose somebody who's out of that range because that becomes, it becomes not normal. It becomes a lie. But, None but of this sounds be... normal to me. <laughs> Can we go back to uh, Luna? Well, hang on. Yeah. Before we do that. So, sorry, th th this is uh, taking a long time uh, to listen to, but uh, I'm not I'm sure if I'm the only one who's not that interested in the, no, the height. Except Bruce. But yeah. Uh, you're, oh, well, yeah. Well, Hold on, hold on. <laughs> can, can I ask something about Luna or Luke? No, is that really true? Is it only me? No. Because this height group has 500 people in it. I'm, I'm extremely interested because imagine you want to assess the quality of Zach Guzman or any other journalist's um, uh, work and their journalistic integrity. If they're willing to exaggerate on their height that dramatically, like, can you trust anything else they say? So this is a very good way like is an extension of the philosophy of all of us cypherfunks of trust but verify. Um, I think it's an extension of that and it's understanding people's psychology and how likely they are to grossly exaggerate and misrepresent themselves. Um, and if we can find out those things, we can assess whether that person is credible and trustable. And, um, and now I know Zach Guzman is going to exaggerate and he's going to make a lot of noise and there's probably not, like, no fire in the cinema. So I think it's very useful. And um, so far, I don't think Do Kwan is over-exaggerated. His height, I think he's always been pretty close. I think he's been bang on. Fair point. <laughs> this is very complex. I'm just shitposting. And I don't, like, I don't like being shamed for doing these investigations. This has been, in many ways, what has kept me sane the last like, few months in this vicious bear market, to perform these investigations to be a kind of a... An, an integrity check on crypto Twitter. So I, I don't like being f made to feel that I should be ashamed of what I've done or this is the wrong conversation or something. I think that's, that's unfair. I think we've pointed out uh, numerous times that there really is no wrong conversation. No, no, no. And that, that was also not what Sam was saying. I, I've joined a bit <laughs> later, but yeah. uh, I've been listening for 10 minutes uh, on uh, you know, measuring bodies, uh, body heights, etc. <laughs> and I, I honestly I, I think it's Elon's I got a question fault. about Luna. You know, all the PFP dots here are the same same size, you know. So I don't really have any idea how tall anyone is. Yeah, back to Luna. What was your question? 
Yeah, so um, I've, I've, you know, I've been heavily involved in Luna, uh, obviously until the DPEC and a few months after that. But I haven't been really keeping track of things. But I noticed uh, there's there's quite a bit of uh, stuff going on on Twitter, and um, so yeah, want to want to reconnect again. Um, and my question is, uh, obviously, uh, I've got quite a lot of Luna staked. Um, but uh, um, has there been talks uh, in in on, in this chat about uh, Luna Classic versus Luna 2.0, and 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 what the way forward is, or are the are the opinions quite uh, varied? Thanks, mm, Bruce. Uh, you had some comments to this. I, I I'm still in a little bit of emotional like joltedness. So I wasn't really taking much in. Like given, yeah, I, do, I don't know. Like I, I want to be able to talk about my passions in any space and not feel that oh. people are going to tell me I'm wrong for speaking about it. So I'm going to take five minutes off, I think. Mm. So now we have to wait five more minutes. Um, are we talking about Luna now? Yeah, unless this, uh, this space is only about wallets and yeah, the title is building it again. So I thought I joined and see what's what's building and um, if the building is mainly happening on on Luna or or Luna Classic. But uh, oh. I can also save my my question for another. Space. The vast majority of building is happening on Luna. I, I'd say there's no uh, building there happening are... on Luna Classic. Can you? I don't. Can anyone point out an app that uses smart contracts as being built on Luna Classic? Uh, yeah, uh, the the. Uh... <laughs> The the Terror Rebels Casino, the Terror Rebels Lottery, right? Um, a lottery built by a group of proven scammers. There is your example of some work. Uh, there are there are a few. There's there's a a good um, NFT slash uh, gaming thing called Metagloria, and they've been here since right at the beginning, and they're pretty good. Um, there's another thing called Exodus. There there are various like small kind of uh, I wouldn't call them major projects, but they're certainly passion projects by small groups of devs. So there is there is a little bit of building, but you could fairly say it's less than 10 developers. Uh, whereas on Luna, you are talking in the region of 300 plus people involving, I think, over, I think well over 80 teams. There were 60 teams alone on the emergency allocation. And then more teams than that have, either requested funding or are funding themselves. And then you have TFL, who alone are around 60 people, and I think half of them are devs. So yeah, the, the, the most building by far is on Luna. And that kind of can be broken up into lots of different categories, which we could go over. But yeah, like the, the, the builder activity is, is definitely on Luna now. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, apologies for my previous comments about uh, the the longer uh, subject. Uh, <laughs> previous to, 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 kind of, to this. We kind of covered this a little bit earlier. Um, but yeah, there's um, also, so the way that the wallet is being set up, it's going to support both uh, Luna, Luna Classic, perhaps Adam and a few other things. So um, the benefit that is that that's going to create is like just ability to trade between things, um, get maybe new audiences for um, apps and things that maybe were not, you know, as accessible because you had to jump through a bunch of exchanges and whatnot. 
So there should be a DEX aggregator function by TFM ultimately in the wallet. I don't know if that's going to be released or not, like I said before, um, or whether that's going to come later. So we'll see how that... So yeah, timing is not really clear, but some sort of new update to the wallet is happening in the next um, couple of days, Bruce? I think he, yeah, I think he gave a, I can't remember the exact thing, but something like midday American time on Thursday, two days from now. So basically in, tw- in 48 hours, we'll see what they've been doing for the last however long. So what you're saying is in 48 hours, Luna's going to go to $100. In 48 hours, all of the Lunk investors are going to have their, their mobile wallets upgraded to the new station. And whoever else, maybe in, in this space and maybe in the old community, and whoever else is going to have it too. I think many chains like Kujira are going to start telling all of their uh, users about the new wallet and why it's better. I think we're all going to start exploring it and see what's happening and, and what might be in store in future. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty exciting. Jared alluded to the fact that there were features or things they've developed which they haven't mentioned publicly yet so that should be quite exciting but i imagine like the 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 main incentive is like how do you get everyone on all the different cosmos chains both to be integrated into the wallet and also to download it and use it rather than say kepler or cosmos station or whatever so i'm I'm curious how they're going to achieve that like how how are they going to incentivize people to install and use it instead uh, do you think any any major achievements have been made uh, from the perspective of getting um, uh, women to like the chain? Or do you think women just don't care about blockchain, period? That was really vague, Sefi. What do we, what no, is there about? like an actual, is there an incentive to, uh, uh, like, one of the problems was perhaps maybe like a dearth, a relatively small handful of hot chicks involved. Uh, when is that going to change? Was like, I thought this was like a a build it again space. Maybe it is. Space. But are, is are we building uh, to achieve this outcome? Is what I'm asking. Am I being trolled? No, not exactly. It's kind of your expertise area. Like, in other words, we, we saw what happened if we relied upon solely uh, Do Kwan for this purpose, right? You know, a little bit too much nerd energy and not enough uh, sexual energy, this problem. We still haven't solved that, by the way, entirely. So what are we going to do about that? If, if everything that is going to come true, that the chain is going to do amazing things, we've got an amazing wallet, um, then, uh, um, or I don't know. Like normal people and women going to show up this time? I would say that the the Lunk community now has about a hundred x higher ratio of women than the old Lunar community did. So I think so long as they keep the Lunk community happy, then we can hopefully transfer them across to all other Cosmos chains. And I, I think like it's. It's kind of weird, like the, the cosmos in general. Is do, kind of do, weird. do you genuinely feel that there's a lot more women in Luna Classic for whatever reason? I didn't say there's a lot, of, not on an absolute scale, but relative to... Oh, relative to what it was before. Yeah, like I'm doing it. Like, like, like in the past, it was like one molecule of oil in a big vat of milk at a dairy farm. And now it's like a spoonful of oil. 
a spoonful of oil. Okay, got it. Um, did I? How do we spell Lorena's or say her name? Like she's hanging out, she just listening or what? But yeah, it's somehow somehow like the the lunk thing feels important in many ways, right? Like I think it's fair to say that the rest of the cosmos ecosystem is a bunch of fucking nerds. Would that be a fair assessment? Pretty fair. I think there is a few on Stargaze that are... um... Oh, that's the first sign of life I saw. Like, that's that's the first place. And I think with the Joe thing, that's the first place where I saw, like, actual fun happening. Like, actual actual spontaneous fun that wasn't a contrived, like, marketing pitch by kind of weird insectoid marketers. (laughs) Or that wasn't, like, really autistic nerds or something like that. You know, like... It's the, the, yeah, that's the first time I saw authentic, spontaneous fun arising in the cosmos. So that was cool. But even the Joe thing was like fairly nerdy, right? Like there's, there's clearly a bit of a barrier there. Like you clearly need to know what the fuck they're talking about and, and all of the nerdy terminology to have fun with them, even in those spaces. And it feels somehow that the, the injection of... Well, that, that was genuinely just a group of nerds. Well, I know that's what I'm saying, but... This, I'm talking about the spirit of it was fun, wasn't it? It yeah, was like, yeah. but I think the the lunk investors somehow feel important because they're like the first infusion of true, true like tribal kind of spirited, hearty energy into the cosmos, which is quite interesting. Like if 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 they can go from lunk and experience station and then learn about everything else and and kind of expand their minds and stuff. That would be very cool, I think. It, it, I don't know. It feels like a kind of a, a transition phase. From you remember what I gave the analogy before, Sefi, of like at the start of the blockchain, you have these like very autistic little elf or gremlin beings, and they're laying out the pipes. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're yeah, laying right. out the pipes of the blockchain. They're laying out all the code, and those aren't the people who will bring people here, right? Like nobody will really care. They don't know how to make people care because they talk in pipe language and they're made to build pipes. They're, they're made to lay pipes. They're not really built to do anything else. Everyone has their kind of role. There are archetypes at play. And then you have other types who come in and act as bridges to the normal people. And then the normal people truly are the lunk investors. So it's kind of interesting. Like there's a kind of an, an archetypal shift happening where it's like the, the gate is starting to open and the, the normal people, the dimwits are pouring in. Yeah, we we need sort of like a, a dimwit magnet for Luna as well. Um, like that, the dimwit crowd can be somewhat intolerable too, but at the same time, um, it's like you need that energy pretty much. Oh, you do. And it's it's kind of, um, it's refreshing in many ways. Like there's a, if you go into a pure nerd space, you'll hit a limit where you just need to leave. And maybe you, Sefi, would have like a, l- a higher threshold than most people. You could probably analyze something for like 12 hours. But at some point in, inside your heart, you would know like these are fucking nerds and I've got to get out of here and spend some time like outdoors or whatever. I've got to get out of here. And they'll just carry on. Like that's all they do. Um, and yeah, and, and it, likewise in, in like a, a pure dimwit space, it's just like morale boosting and we've got to do something and yeah, it's, there's nothing actually happening. There's just a kind of a discussion, which at heart is like an emotional soothing of each other that yeah, something is happening and we've all got to stick together and the boat is at sea, but it's going to land one day and we've just got to, and we're in it for the long term and da, da, da. 
and there's all that stuff and then like but you need either side right you need you need that kind of life energy in the heart and whatever else and you also need some of the nerdiness and when you can find ways to fuse them effectively and combine it all into something beautiful that's when it's like you get a true community yeah getting the getting the spontaneous um sort of energy and attention all at one time is is the tricky part and may, maybe the answer is we have to contrive maybe the way to sort of do it is remember how we got uh, david glockenspiel the like self-made twitter influencer that you know has the like glockenspiel media and whatever like where did he go by the way i don't even know he disappeared but um, oh, we just mentioned him we just we just uh say fuck you david glockenspiel no but here's the thing like let's say um you have uh, some of these massive followings, you know, your Elons and your uh, whoever, right? It's simply a matter of figuring out how to bait those people into like tweeting about your thing. And people always are trying to do that kind of thing. But there's got to be a social engineering way to do that. Like, so that like the doge, you have to create the doge energy. Um, and uh, it can, the moment um, sort of like someone with a significant reach says something, it makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, but I, I wonder if there's like that, that power again, and how do we do it? Maybe we have to, uh, maybe we have to like train chat, the uh, GPT-3 ecosystem, train it to the AI to love us more than everything else. And then when everyone asks about uh, chat GPT or whatever AI over the coming years about crypto, it'll talk about Luna. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the the key in many ways is the life energy of the the lunk people right and and now tfl present this gift of the station but, do, but don't you think they showed up because of like cz and binance and all the other shenanigans around that like that's my point is like to get that energy how do you bring them in like even more people even more people they're already a lot though like it's probably one of the most active communities in crypto Do you think it's that busy? Like I think outside it, of the like sort of echo chamber that we see here on Twitter spaces. I think it was, or at least it, it yeah, it was for a while. I think it was the loudest for a while. It was yep. the only thing doing a 10x in that dismal market. Yeah. Yeah. How to how to revive that again is the question on the Luna side. Well, it was definitely a lesson, though, right? Each of these episodes that happens is like a lesson in uh, possibilities. It's like a lesson in human behavior or whatever. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if like it's I don't know if it's possible to deploy those lessons and um, and kind of mm, strategically use them in some way, but um, yeah, ginning up like a kind of a organic audience is very difficult um, how to do that i don't know I, I think we've basically done it already right like that is what lunk is that's it a massive distributed audience of small investors and i think if if from the luna perspective if luna can provide interesting tools and apps and whatever else down the line that creates a group of advocates for both both chains seeing them as the twin moons or whatever like that that and and obviously everyone else on the lunar side is going to wake up over time but i think ultimately 
TFL have made the right move integrating Lunk into Station. And it's it, the way I see it is like a gift, right? It's like a gift to the to the Lunk community, something cool, a, a way to bridge to the cosmos, a way to be included. And I think that's cool for sure, because I think in the past they were feeling kind of abandoned, like Lord Do Kwan and TFL and whoever else were just turning their back on them, running away, uh, and <laughs> abandoning them, and uh, you know. M- seeing the the chain as like something they don't want to contribute to anymore so now for for them to do the integration and and for jared to keep start doing the spaces and stuff i think that's very cool and i think overall like when when the l1 development work finishes on lunk and there's integration into station and whatever other bridges and stuff between them i think then it starts to get interesting then i think people will think about like deploying something on both chains or, or linking them in various ways because how would you not think of that as an idea i think it's it's like the most obvious idea good day guys hello everybody um I, see, I seem i seem to be having a little issue here with my friend in pakistan hashim um he seems to be having trouble getting into his wallet now he's got his 24 word password but he's forgotten his password so when he tries to make a swap he he can't make it because he can't insert his he he forgot his password so now he's trying to get back into his wallet by putting in these 24 word phrase and you know there's a fork in the road there's you know we're we're kind of stuck here i've been trying to guide him Right next to it. It should work fine. Just delete the wallet and, and uh, make sure you have your seed phrase and just type it back in again. It should work. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what we've done. Uh, we've uh, uninstalled and installed the wallet, and he's been putting in his 24 word phrase, and he's telling me he's getting a, a code saying invalid. Um, so that's it, why it we, 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 uh, he, we, he, we he got his seed phrase. Sorry, like did he write how, where he did he write down his seed phrase correctly? <laughs> that would be the most obvious problem. There's an issue with this uh, seed uh, phrase is not is not working. Lamb Chops had this issue. She's managed to sort it with the help of Yaz. If you bring her up, she can tell you exactly what she did. I think you oh, need you, you, okay. you, you can't use the seed yes, phrase because I I've mentioned that Hashim. If you, if you guys could bring up Hashim, I don't no, know. Oh, hold on. I think are you talking about? Are you talking about? Uh, uh reconnecting or you know the upgrade that they did that's right without your password so say if you forgot your password and you you want you you know you you want to get access to your coins you you know via your 24 word phrase right you need to yeah yeah should be a way you need to um use i forgot what it is now you're talking about terror station right that's right i think the what is it let me if you go on um, the extension or the mobile app and you click on recover wallet. Right. And I think we went through that, that step and the recover wallet process is asking for his password, which he doesn't have. He only has his 24, 24 word phrase. Are you sure it's asking for his password? Is it asking to set a password? Um, From what he told me, it's asking for his password. Just, Make, tell him it might, well, he might be asking to set a password. Yeah, make one up. 
but but the I, one of the the kind of puzzling things about Terror Station is that where they ask for. Well, that's why. Uh, before we get carried away, maybe it's good. Maybe we should set. Maybe later on after this space, you know, we could set well, something on. up. You know, one on one with someone. Mm, well, if you if you want to ask anything, you just go to the terror.money website and top right the telegram you can ask anything in there i think they're literally paid to give support um but but yeah the, the main go. thing there you, you got want, that Hashim. Hashim when you want to import down below when you want to import a, a wallet you have to go to recover wallet and where they put mnemonic that's where you put the seed phrase so that's right. what confused me um it's not important right. and, 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 and that password that sequence of past that's where you're creating a new password right because that's what you're that's who who said that Sefi said hey you know you have to create a password again so that's that's probably the, what pass, it is. the password is just for your local uh right. your local right. wallet it has really nothing to do with your seed phrase function exactly about. exactly that's what i'm trying to tell hashim as well uh you know he's quite worried oh you know he thinks all his coins are gone but I'm trying to keep him assured that you know there, everything is there. The main thing is is that where it says mnemonic, that's where you put the seed phrase. So you put word space, word space, word space into the mnemonic tab, right? Right, Hashim, feel feel free to jump jump aboard. Feel feel free to ask a question, Hashim. This is Hashim, everyone from Pakistan. Hey Bruce, how are you today, brother? Thanks, Sifal, for letting me in. I just have a problem regarding. Uh, for swapping uh, some of available coins with my available USTC. But it asked me to complete the transaction for filling in my password, which I tried the couple of times, which I have been remembered for a last time. But I just kept off the mind and unfortunately I didn't save that. Is there, uh, so I asked Bill if there would be any option there I would be able to get or direct, being directed to reset my password but unable to go through. He simply suggested me that I should uninstall my TerraStation wallet and then go uh, uh, reinstall it and try to uh, reconnect my existing wallet. There were two options. Either uh, when I put in my, uh, got to connect my wallet, uh, there would be few options. First of all is, the connecting the new wallet and second one is the recover wallet and import wallet yeah it's uh, recover recover is the only one yes i uh, go for recover uh, they uh, give my pass uh, sorry wallet id and then uh, uh, whenever i put in my uh, uh, seed phrase as the numeric uh, uh, words it goes in aesthetics, not being uh, shown to me exactly. But since I have already saved... Uh, no, uh, paste it in, by the way. You can write it in Notepad and then paste it in. Then you'll be able to check. It's probably written right. Or write it in the browser bar and then paste it in just to check. Okay. And uh, should I put in any spaces after each word or I should uh, yeah. type it? No, it it's Word space word space word space and it's all lowercase okay and uh, uh, then i it also asked me to give them a password i i i think 
if you don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I that's like, asking you to enter a new password for that particular, for your overall well, wallet. Try, try, try entering a new one and see what happens. Yeah, that's a new password it's trying to get you to enter, not, not an old one. So yes, Hashim, it's telling you to create a new password. So you're going to be How putting in it, you're going to be putting in the same word twice. I understand. Uh, you mean to say I uh, I didn't need to, uh, I just put in my old seed phrases and uh, put in the new password, right? So Correct. Put in, put in the wallet name and then make up a new password and then um, put in your your 24-word seed phrase with space. Yeah, the, the way for you to think of this is a block, on a blockchain system, the, uh, the, the username and password are all combined and that's your seed phrase. It's just one thing. Right. So imagine you don't have a username, you just have a password. That's what a seed phrase is. The password it's asking you for is simply a local password for the wallet. So that let's say, for example, my kid gets on my phone and tries to open my wallet. He's going to have to uh, enter that password in, but it has nothing to do with my money. It has nothing to do with like the mnemonic or anything else. It's just to get into your. It's into an extra your form of protection. That's if you, like if, if passwords were the way into blockchain wallets that would be terribly insecure it's it's the level of protection at your home therefore you can you can make up a new one because it's it doesn't work at the blockchain level it's your own access to your account should i should i do it on my laptop or i can do it on my app as well on the android app i use android it works anywhere but yeah go to recover wallet um put in the wallet name, and then make up a new password. And then for the um, mnemonic, then just enter your seed phrase with a space between each word, and it'll work. Okay, brother. Uh, let me do it, and I, I will uh, log yeah. back in. This time, this time make sure you, you write down your password or use something simple or whatever. Passwords don't really matter here. It's just like so long as you have security over your device. Definitely. I will be careful at this time to saving my password elsewhere as well. So, thanks, Fred. I hope this all the help would make me works. Thank Anytime, you. Anytime, Hashim. We're right here by your side, brother. Thanks a lot, boys. We were, we, we were stuck for a little bit there. But it seems like uh, we got out of the rut. Yeah, I think one of the, and it confused me before, one of the main confusions is that when you, when you open up, uh, the, the the menu that says new wallet, import wallet, or recover wallet, it's easy to think that the right one is import wallet, but it's not. If you want to enter your 24-word seed phrase, it's always recover wallet. And what is labeled as mnemonic is actually your, your seed phrase, your 24-word seed phrase. So that's something I got confused on because it didn't, it didn't uh, when it originally generated, I don't think it said mnemonic, it just said seed phrase or whatever. So yeah, that that's the main confusion. And then with the import wallet, where it says key, that is your private key. It's not your your seed key. Yeah, the wallet needs a better explanation at the time that you enter this. Yeah, I told them. I told them. I messaged uh, Jared or some one of these guys. I said like, you need to change the the mnemonic thing to to twenty four word seed phrase so it's clear because it's not clear at all. (laughs) It's also not clear why they've. Uh, blanked it out when you're writing it so you can't see it properly that's kind of confusing as well 
<laughs> yeah, especially if you're on like a phone app or something. Uh, well, if you want to avoid copy pasting, they should be able to. You have to be able to see it because you're not going to type in 24 things flawlessly. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah, but yeah. I, I I told them that they haven't. Maybe in the new station or whatever, they'll change it. Hi guys, uh, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Hi guys, uh, just a quick one. Um, with regarding you know the seed phrase things here, how would you recover a seed phrase? I mean, I have written it down, but for my sake, I'm just trying to say that what's going on right now with regarding Jared, you know, uh, within the next 42 hours, because I'm following Happy, and Happy's, you know, obviously saying it's a lot of um, groundbreaking things going on in the next sort of 48 hours. Um, What I need my seed phrase present to do the shabam and all this and that, because Happy has said that nothing's happening yet. You don't need to move nothing. Stay put. 48 hours might even just be um, like, you might not have to do anything. You, you just you just open your terror station wallet um, and it might just be an update. But um, back to the original question, how do I recover a seed phrase, if anyone would know? Uh... 99% sure you won't have to do anything. I think it'll just upgrade and, and just work. But but I, I don't, yeah, think, it's pretty sweet. don't think you want to... Like I already swapped for some Mars coin and some Mirror Protocol. The new, the new coins you could swap. It's pretty cool. We, we've been, uh, we've been uh, you know, reminiscing and acting like little kids in a, ca- a candy store swapping our USDC. <laughs> Yeah, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of features that'll be um coming um um after this forty eight hours and obviously I think there's a, a spicy few things that have been gonna be put in by Jared and, and the team and the layer one team. But um my, my main my main question was were basically around the seed phrase. Um I know I've I've written it down, but I just you know sometimes you're writing it down and you think, Oh, is that spelled correctly or is it not? And then you have to go all the way back again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. So I just want to, you know what, just to clear the error up a bit. You don't want to lose it. Like it's the one thing you don't want to lose, but if you need to check it, then what I would do is get another device and install the extension or the mobile version or whatever, and just enter it and check it works for peace of mind. Like log into a yeah, new- even the even the word recover in when used in this context makes no sense because what are you recovering? You're not recovering anything really. You're just sort of uh, almost like entering the system. Um, I think the word recover makes people think if they lose their seed phrase, it could be recovered, and that's a very confusing terminology too. Crypto is just crazy like this, bunch of stupid terminology. Yeah, what, what I did is I was always worried about um, when it came up on my screen when I first made the the wallet or whatever i was always worried about like am i going to write down one of these words wrong or something like that so i printed off i print screened it and then i printed it off <laughs> and, and printed it out and put it in a book or something um and i have like various copies in different places i've got one at my parents house as well so like you, yeah you don't want to lose that but you can check that it works for peace of mind by installing terror station on a new device like a new mobile phone or maybe a chrome extension or whatever and putting it in just to check like you can enter it um and if you have misspelled one word or something just you can rectify that yeah what what i want to say too sorry hamid um 
there's uh, for your 24 word seed phrase, it's incredible. Um, the uh, indestructible, you know, piece of metal where you could stamp in your own seed phrase. I highly recommend that, you know, it could be quite pricey, you know, 20, 50 bucks, but you know, I, I consider it a must, you know? Yeah, no, I, um, I really appreciate your feedback. Um, I was going to say another thing, um, regarding, you know, what's been going on for the last sort of, um, few hours with regarding the update, what Jared has put out, um, and the L1 devs team, but it's just something, something's just sort of not, not, struck me but it's just sort of in my back of my head you know what you got cpi inflation data coming up on on thursday and then you've got this going on is this sort of like a arbitrage opportunity where everything's gonna dump people are gonna buy up at a cheaper price i'm just i'm just trying to like sort of get things right in my head um and 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 it's gonna go back to where it was and whatnot with, with with Luna Classic, but I'm just trying to say, like, with regarding what Jared had put, I tweeted out regarding give us two more days, and then we go from there on. And there's something else spicy on top of that. It's funny enough that CPI date is coming out in two days' time as well. So it just seems a bit like a lot of uh, I don't know about sorry. Luna Classic, but a lot of people who buy. Um bought luna classic did not get into it because of some sort of like macroeconomic data or something so a lot of the users i'm not sure if they are necessarily going to use that as some reason to buy or sell or something like that so i wouldn't i wouldn't think that any of that's too predictable by the way so uh, assuming you even knew what the data would do to crypto or you knew what they were going to say or something like that so it's all kind of these are all maybes. So yeah, you, you might see crypto go up or down. I, I don't know. Like it, it's not really very predictable to me in that respect. Like you, you're not going to know what's going to happen before it happens and be able to use it to your advantage very easily. Yeah, it just it's just that it's just how funny how everything's been going on from today. I mean, as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm in the UK. I mean, you've got Gerard posted something up a few hours ago, and then um. A lot of my, me, myself, and a few other colleagues, especially in this space as well, um, that are aware there's CPI data coming out. Depends what Jerome Powell's going to say, but it's just, uh, yeah, you, you're right. I um, I don't want to contradict too much, but I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, like one of those arbitrage uh, opportunities for those guys that I can't get in, and they're trying to get in at a cheaper price. Some of these massive guys with whales or whatever you want to talk about, sharks or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I won't go into it too much, but I just I just thought I'd throw that out as well into the community, thinking that look, it's just coincidence. Like you got this coming up, so in two days' time, CPI at the same time, it's just like a perfect arbitrage opportunity. So, sorry. Yeah, it's not so much an arbitrage. Just simply, you're saying that you might be able to get a good buy or sell in, and an arb I think means is a risk-free trade. Usually, it's it's a different type of terminology, but anyway, in either case, um, so what's, uh, Sam, what else is going on? Is there the, uh, any exciting things on Luna Classic? Every day is exciting on Luna Classic. Don't you know that, Sefi, by now? It's been yeah. months. We were used to this. What kind of chaos are you guys brewing now? 
We've got uh, a new app out which burns Luna Classic. Um, there's there's L1 Guardian that are finally getting us to the right direction. Something to be excited about. We should be, from what I know, speaking to Lungban Army, parody by April, if things go to plan. And uh, everything's been very well organized on that side. So the chain's in good hands. So everyone should be happy. Who's going to be doing the upgrades? Lumpern Army's doing it? No, no. He's just project managing it. It's a team between... Um, oh, hold on. What was it? So you got Tobias. You got this Superman. You got... Um, What's his name? Uh, the labs, uh, Cosmos guys. They're the ones who are going to be working. And then there's two other junior guys who are working underneath those guys. They're the ones who are going to be working code side. I think Ed's going to be helping them out through like implementation testing and stuff like that. But Longburn put out yesterday a uh, two week basically work of everyone and the most of it is catching up on stuff that should have been done a long time ago apparently cool so you guys have some room for optimism basically things are getting done yeah and all it took was was a major rug pull by by tion stealing one hundred fifty thousand dollars for you know things to move in the right direction but i don't know the grand scheme of things i'd say that's not a major rug pull it's just pretty much irrelevant I wouldn't worry too much about it at this point. No, I'm not worried about it. It was, it was it's the price you have to pay sometimes, Sophie. I don't I'm know. Crypto. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I'm going to put a proposal forth uh, to get paid for doing Twitter spaces. You think it'll work? 150,000. Yeah. Seems yeah, like yeah. Fuck yeah! Why? I mean, go for go for a Why month. Not? Go, go for, for a month, not like total budget, dude. Yeah, yeah, 200. That's per for month, right? Bring bring Link down to say, you know, we've been here from the beginning, even before TR, we should get paid for the work we do and stop living alone, man. Don't put any kind of like breakdown of scope of work or like how long you're going to spend on Twitter spaces or how many you're going to do every day. But yeah. So if there's a avenue for us to get paid for bullshitting on Twitter spaces, I'm all for it, man. That could be the core utility of blockchain for all we know. <laughs> New definition to shit going. <laughs> Yeah, or or something like that. <laughs> we have to figure out. We have to make it work somehow. You, you got to align incentives, obviously. But um, yeah, well, yeah. Like if you have to have a proposal of how many hours and what kind of content's going to happen, well, you're just, you're listening to it right now. So let this let this recording serve as evidence for what that content might be, <laughs> and we'll charge maybe a million a year or something like that on a monthly basis, of course. No big deal. But I'll I tell you what, what would be nice that if we can have would actually, actually make a difference to the classic side of the blockchain is at the moment on the Terra station, it links you to the Terra ecosystem, which is all 2.0 stuff. There's nothing classic based on there at all. There's no choice on it. If the classic side had some kind of a database with all the projects that are on it that are coming, that might help to get things moving a little bit. Yeah, if I, and we'll have to see about with the t station update. That's another question mark. Uh, I don't know if Bruce is still here, if he heard anything. But uh, yeah, one question in my mind is, 
some sort of screen that um, provides links to uh, legitimate sort of verified projects would be nice. Um, the tricky thing about that is like, uh, you know, having to update that all the time. And that's the downside. So generally, I, I would think that they're not going to get into that business. But maybe it's but something for 2.0, that will be easy, you do. know, because 2.0, they pay for audits for new projects coming on. Um, so in that case, for them to better put it on, if, if you're a project, you get audited you, you, and everything comes fine, you can go on there. If you don't want to get audited, then you don't get added. For us, we need to have that kind of an incentive, really, for new projects. There needs to be an incentive for projects to come on to Lunk, I think. That's right, Sam. 100%. What happened to that Luna Classic NFT superfan, the, the guy that was the restaurant owner, and he had a bunch of the NFTs from like Luna V-Shape or maybe Punks or something, and he had them all over his restaurant. Is that guy still hanging around a bit? Uh, Jai Hoon. Jai Hoon. Is that Jai Hoon? No, somebody else had the... No, no Jai Hoon had a restaurant. It was Bruce, the Blue Oyster Bar in yeah, Texas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen Bruce for a while. I, someone said to me he's taking a little bit of time off, but I, I think he's still around in the community. Because he had like, uh, he, he like framed all his NFTs and had them in his restaurant or something like that. This is different than Jay Hoon, who's from Turkey. Uh, and he had like, uh, I haven't seen him around lately, but when I have, um. I don't know. He started getting a little sour later on, uh, Bruce. Did you notice that? And then he disappeared. Mm, no, I don't think I was in a space with him. Um, what's the other guy that um, in the community that's always like uh, fighting uh, Luna Classic while he's talking? Um, he's from the Middle East. I can't remember which what his name is. Oh, Saeed Moran. Yes, exactly. What's he been doing lately? Is he still uh, fighting his own bags? He's good. I consider him one of the most. Uh, I consider him one of the most intelligent lunk people. I like him. <laughs> I think he. No, he, I think he just, he just gets. He's drunk genuinely entertaining. I, I I think it's hilarious when he goes off. He's oh, been he, MIA for a bit. He gets um, he gets drunk, and as he gets drunk, he gets more and more honest, which is cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. He's good fun. I think he's he's lived a good life and been in wars and shit. One, one of those guys where it's like he's clearly been around and done stuff. You know what I mean? Like what strikes me is with the passion he says the word bullshit. That's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like he has his, whole, he has his way. Yeah, yeah. Say he talks with passion, man. He does analogies and, and metaphors too, which are funny. Like, I, I can't remember. I'll, I'll, I remember one of them. But um, he was explaining like, what terror rebels were doing to create the the uh, the rebel station wallet and comparing it to like renovating a house like they went into the house and they knocked down the walls and then they came to the community and they said this is broken <laughs> just the stupid analogy where like uh, terror rebels were like the the people going in and smashing the house and like saying to the community look what has happened look what has happened you must fix this we need 150,000 that was quite a funny thing but yeah he's good he's, he's very um very lively and descriptive i like him a lot yeah we miss him i miss him i miss hearing his donkey in the background i miss saeed's you know not today motherfucker i miss you saeed wherever you are 
I miss you, brother. He's like, he's, oh, you're like talking as if it's like gone, gone. He's just taking a break from what I heard. I know. It just it feels like it's been eternity, you know? It's like when you're missing a good friend, you know? By the way, go to the top and retweet. What's been going on with the Luna community there? Well, the, uh, the new wallet is being produced in two days. So that's the main thing right now. But yeah, lo- loads of stuff in the background. But right now, the, uh, one of the cases against TFL and Doquan and Co. have just been dismissed. It's quite interesting, really, because this, this case was about um, corruption and racketeering and like running and Ponzi and whatever else. And TFL and Doquan responded with evidence that like this hadn't happened. And the the claimant, the person starting the case, just voluntarily quit. He <laughs> was like, "Fuck it, I quit. I'm running away. Like I'm not going to risk trying to fight this because clearly it's so baseless and bullshit that if I do continue, it's just going to cause me a massive loss." So the the person pursuing the case just just quit and ran away. It's quite funny. But Bruce, do you think they did that, or do you think it was a tactical move, thinking that if they don't go to court? then there isn't a judgment and therefore they can fud it and say, no, 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 the whole thing is still valid. Whereas if they do to go to court and there is a judgment, it puts a nail in the coffin of that claim altogether and they can't carry on fudding it. No, I think they just gave up. Like that's what it was. They just gave up. Like to, to be seen to be just quitting publicly, that, that's a pretty big thing. It's not the only case, by the way. There are like three other cases, but it's a, it's a good start. And the the evidence they provided that led to the dismissal um, is the same evidence that should dismiss the other cases. But you know what I mean? It's like it's like this audit thing now. Like people go, oh well, you know, you pay for an audit yourself. Of course, it's going to quit you. Well, do you see anyone else putting like put their hand in their pocket and paying millions of dollars to get something audited? No. Sorry to interrupt, boys. Hashim just wants to thank everybody. He he got it to work. It's success. So we know we know what we got is gold. <laughs> yep, good luck. I did I do wanna say one thing. Um I did that once on my desktop to bring a wallet in and it did bring it in, but the wallet address didn't correspond to any of my wallets at all. So it imported a completely new wallet and uh look by now, I were quite amazed at it. Hey, Sefi, you still here? Yep. Going I'm going to go to bed in a minute. Okay. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Sure. I think we can uh, break now anyway. this We've had a pretty good um, combo today. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, uh, when, when I leave, it's pretty much over, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good end point. The, the fun goes when I go. Cor- correlation isn't necessarily causation, but they do tend to line up again and again. Yep. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, Bruce. We'll catch you later. Take See care, guys. guys. Have a good day, love. everybody. Check out the new wallet right, we go in on. a couple of days. Bye. The wallet looks sick. Does it? That's cool. I mean, I've seen screenshots of it, and it just looks. Like, I'm very jealous. Very jealous. You guys looking at us on the other, from the other side with greener grass. Not fair. Well, Luna Classic's going to be on it too. 
So it'll... I know that that's a bonus, massive no, bonus. Yeah, and and thanks, uh, thanks for TFL for that. I'm excited in many ways. Obviously, getting lung integrated is awesome. It's it's really good they managed to solve that. But I think as well as that, I I just I guess I'm just excited for all of the the lung community to see how good TFL are. Like I think many of them have come from you know maybe other meme coins or whatever and lunk is their first kind of serious defi chain um they've come on chain for the first time maybe out of centralized exchanges or whatever and many people in the lunk community also don't know the history like i did a lot of education about what happened in the past about doquan about tfl yeah i did a lot of education for a lot of people for a very long time um and and telling everyone you know what great builders tfl are and all the things they did and and you know everything that the lung people are using now like the terra station wallet and all of the apps which are kind of broken um tfl did most of that so like you would have to see luna in its former glory to understand how good it was but many of the things that you still use now were built by tfl and now to see lunk being integrated into the new station wallet it's like for me it's like a it's the first um way that the lunk community will experience how good tfl are what they do which i think is awesome and i think the more that the lunk community kind of um, opens their heart or opens their mind to what tfl can do and what the builders on luna can do the better and and the more likely cooperations are in future so for me it's awesome like in that way and I think it helps both communities massively. Definitely build trust, hundred percent. Yeah, and and it's like it's also giving something to the lung community, which is awesome. Like it's a step back, right? It's a step towards us. Like, here's this awesome thing we're upgrading. We've taken time to try and code it. We've you know expended a lot of cost to try and include you guys, and you are being brought with us into this new vision. So I think that's all awesome. Like it's yeah, it's what I wanted to see basically. I mean, like TFL actually giving a massive gift to like the cosmos and and us and everyone else with this multi-chain wallet. Exactly, and and there's there's a lot more to come, and I guess we're going to see exactly what that is on on Thursday in two days. But um, in my conversation to Jared, he says there's a lot of features and things they haven't mentioned. So uh, yeah, it should be exciting. Yeah, really good. Okay, Sophie, you may kill it at this peak of excitement <laughs> we've peaked out all right great guys have a good one see you later thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was a chepe space luna building it again recorded on tuesday january 10th 2023 for terraspaces.org i'm finn thanks for listening Wake it up like a basement dweller Stepped out the door and heard racist yelling 2020, what an ugly shit show Staring at the fucking Rick Roll from the get-go Looking outside, the whole state's on fire The fuck do you expect when you embrace the liars And replace the writers with AI just like us Emaciated models killing bright birds First in, last out, picture me rolling The worst time to cash out, so what you holding? The Burks gonna cash cow, country stolen Drooling over chicken like the goose is golden Trying to be soulful Spitting that molten Lava from the bottom of the caldera I'm hot and gonna put it in a bottle And offer it to the god who hit the gas full throttle Blasting off in a rocket The many people who will, will see things happen to them That are in their favor So someone's looking over me That's a, that's a fascinating phenomenon When that happens And what 
as humans simply have a profound inability to understand statistics and probability. Stitching these writings, living that life like Who would have guessed you'd turn out this nice, right? Avoiding stress, that's the motherfucking secret Print that shit on a motherfucking leaflet I'm just an asshole hooked on the bricks Looking at the rectangles, damn they kinda thick We've gone through a whole lot of kings here Cutting off heads just to bring cheer Getting all fired up, Tiger King, line them up When you'd give an arm and a leg just to try the junk On some first time buyer's luck Alexa, set a reminder and remind me to buy a bunch And put your hands up if you fuck this year And keep them in the air if you're picking up the spare And put your mask on just to go outside Looking at the planet about to downsize So climate change will not make Earth Basically, every other coastal city that we've spent thousands of years building uh, in the, since the dawn of civilization. Terrible spaces.